Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Hooked On Podcast, I'm Rob McNichol, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Mr. Paul Benson, how are you doing Paul? Hello Rob, I'm very well, thank you, hello everybody else out there in the world, um, everything's well, everything's swell this week, I'm, I'm actually feeling kind of relaxed for once doing this podcast. Good, okay. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Is that, does that mean we're going to get? Are we going to get sort of uh, a too relaxed? Are we going to get a Carlito ball that's not really pushing himself out of the mid card? Or does that mean we're going to get a chilled Rob Van Dam? You can main event against anyone, Paul. Well, it remains to be seen, mate, because I don't think I've ever done it before. So uh, time. You've never relaxed. You've never relaxed <laughs> before. <have you? laughs> No, no, I'm not relaxed. I'm just not used to it. Excellent. Okay, well, let's take advantage, everyone. It's the one day of the year that uh, that Paul is relaxed. <laughs> we'll be giving out his address uh, later on in the show, so you can just pop round and uh, get in the back door and help yourself to whatever you need, because he's relaxed and uh, he'll no, let you do so. No? Okay, cool. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Anyway, this is an odd start to an, uh, what could end up being an odd show. We've got uh, four or five things down on our little agenda here today, none of which are all that connected. So we're going to uh, try and mosey our way through the uh, the wrestling world. Things that we're going to talk about today, folks. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about uh, a certain little reunion this week on Raw. Um, and that may or may not take us to uh, a little discussion about factions. We talked a bit about factions uh, in wrestling on recent shows. Um, this week we put out a question to on uh, to our followers on social media to ask them some stuff about that. So we'll be touching on that later on. Uh, we need to talk to you about our Survivor Series parties and uh, another little plug uh, for our new sheep quiz that Paul is very proud of over on the Facebook. Uh. But all of this um, is to come later on in the show. But we, uh, we want to talk first of all about the uh, the pay per view uh, this past weekend, Hell in and Around the Cell. Um, it was um, uh, an interesting show. It was newsworthy. There's plenty to talk about. Um, as we often say here on the Hooked On podcast, we are not in the business of doing four-hour breakdowns of three-and-a-half-hour shows because that's, uh, that seems rather <laughs> irrelevant. But we'll, uh, we'll touch on some of the, um, the bigger points of the, uh, of the show. First of all, Paul, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed the beginning. I enjoyed the end. I thought the middle was rather, rather a shit sandwich. Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> okay. Um, let's go in with the uh, the matches themselves. What was there? What was your highlight? If someone said to you, Paul, uh, haven't got the time to watch Hell in a Cell, um, but I've got maybe I've got sort of 45 minutes spare. Uh, I can watch one or two matches. What would you say to them to watch? Well, very, very straightforward answer. That one is uh, watch from the start for those first 45 minutes and make sure you catch the tag team title match, New Day against the Usos. Not just the highlight of the night, which it was by a gigantic margin. Also, uh, probably my in-ring WWE highlight of the entire year. Phenomenal match. The first match? Yeah, I absolutely loved it, mate. Okay. And tell us why. Let's, let's expand on that a little bit. Tell us why. Because okay. um, that's a big thing ha- to say. That's why I'm going to... If you just said great match, I'd have gone, yeah, fine, I agree. But you've gone one of the highlights of the year, so you've really got to elevate that. So why? 
Well, okay. So first of all, it's you can you can dial it back to the start of the feud, the new day and the Usos. I think we mentioned this last week on the podcast about how I was expecting a hell of a match because these guys have just escalated the quality throughout their whole feud. And I remember saying how I normally hated when feuds went on and on and on with guys just facing each other every month or every show. On you know the, the famous one is Dolph Ziggler against Kofi Kingston. Do you remember that one on for about three months? Yes. Yeah. They faced each other about ten billion times. Um, but no. They, these teams have faced each other. clearly the best two teams on SmackDown and they were put in a feud where the titles were what was motivating it all the way through they had personal issues that came up here and there but all of it was a, the crux of it was both of these teams wanted to prove to be the best and the beauty of it is they both could lay claim to being so now as, we, as they went along through this feud the matches like I say got better and better and better the SummerSlam match on the pre-show was just superb absolutely superb um, and I had high expectations coming into this now it's we said last week about Hell in a Cell and how it's been a mixed bag over the last few years and a lot of a lot of that is because there was no rhyme or reason for a lot of these matches to be in a cell this match absolutely completely needed that billing it was the right situation to to end this feud and they said before and it was going to be the end of the feud so it makes absolute sense for it to be hell in a cell for starters so we were going in to the match and the pay-per-view onto a winner they were in a good spot they'd booked it well it was well set up i was anticipating it we knew it'd be good going in they were the right guys and at the right time so we were, we were good there when the cell lowered or the door closed or whatever they wrestled such an interesting match in there. First of all, there's never been a tag team title match in there for kickoff. There's so many different dynamics at play. The fact that Kofi Kingston was on the outside looking in, completely helpless. I love the way that the, the way he had to sit there and watch his brothers being brutalized from mere feet away and he could do nothing about it. That sold the match to me. There were so many great, unique spots. The one that got me the best was where, well, one of the, the two I highlight is where one of the Usos got pinned in the corner with all those kendo sticks. Yep. And then they beat the crowd. They did one brilliant storytelling. I loved it when they hung Xavier Woods from the post um, and beat him with kendo sticks. Fantastic, you know, interesting spot. Biggie Spear. Oh, sorry, was it Biggie? No, one of the Usos got. Biggie on their shoulders and speared him into the cage from their shoulders. Yeah. Um, there was the spot, there was the bit at the end with Xavier showing all that fire with the cuffs on and fighting back, but just couldn't quite get there. It just had such great flow to it. Brilliant spots, completely logical, and you felt the fire all the way through. And one of the highlights for me, I love these little nuances in matches. There was a bit, if you remember, about halfway through the match where the Usos had been brutalizing Xavier and Big E got in the ring with one of the Usos. There was just the two of them in the ring, face to face, no weapons. And Big E was fuming. He had this, you know, happy-go-lucky Big E who normally jokes his way through everything, had this look of utter rage on his face for how these Usos had been brutalizing Xavier. And he just grabbed him by the throat. And you just got the feeling that if he could, he would squeeze that jugular and smash it to pieces. And I said to myself, when I saw that, that was the first moment I've looked at Big E and gone, you, sir, are a main eventer in waiting. It just was that moment to me where everyone, I think everyone's got one where you have that moment where you go, yep, 
that's the one I remember with me for some reason with Triple H it was when he first came out in short tights um, for some reason he came out on Rory's short tights one time and I just went bosh that's it that was the last missing piece you are now looking like a main eventer you have got this to me that was that moment that was Big E's moment that throat grab if you don't remember it go back and watch it and tell me what you think but to me that was the the moment that Big E started on the path to, to single main events mark my words so in short and I know that actually that wasn't particularly in short, <laughs> in short. Um, yeah, yeah no in summary I should say um, I think I've, I've, I've sort of set on my case why I just think it was so incredible I, I just love these guys love love you know they, they made such good use of the stipulation stayed in the cage um, and then the, the spot on Smackdown the next day where they were all in the ring and they and the the heels suggested the truth because they were you know they were said right enough we've done it we've beaten the shit out of each other we can't go any further we've proved we're the best collectively and the heels offered a truce and it felt right and perfect what a feud feud of the year capped by the match of the year these five guys are magnificent so that's my reason that's a very well put um not succinct but that doesn't matter sometimes it can be uh, <laughs> uh, no I'm only joking because uh, there are plenty of times where I will go on for seemingly a fortnight when I'm passionate about a point and that's what I like about uh, these discussions um, I feel um, I feel torn uh, on one hand uh, anyone listening to that um, and that hasn't seen the pay-per-view and feels like oh I think I'll go and watch it based off of Paul's um, description I certainly wouldn't dissuade you um, but I feel a little bit like if someone were to ask me um is it worth going to Twickenham to watch a rugby match? Because um, I'm sure it is because it's a wonderful stadium, but I don't like rugby. So I wouldn't. If a, if a rugby fan asked me that, I'd say, of course it is. And if a non-rugby fan said that, I'd go, no. And what I mean by that is it's just completely not my type of match. I, I struggle really, really hard to watch people obviously hurting themselves. And I just think when I see someone tied up in a position like Xavier was and they were hitting him with kendo sticks they were hitting him and they were and I know it would be you know consensual I'm not saying that they were taking liberties or anything but I sort of feel that we've got we've got an art form here which is based on making it look like it hurts and when it just actually hurts I sort of think mm, I have a problem with it I sort of think A I think well anyone can do that if you've got a bit of a pain threshold then anyone could there's no skill in getting hit by a kendo stick and there's no skill in getting thrown through tables for a living now listen all four all five if you include Kofi I've got way more talent than that so I'm not giving them stick they're not Tommy Dreamer you know I'm, I'm saying that they're you know they're, they're people that have got talent and that can have, have, you know deserve to be where they are but I just watch that kind of match and just go oh I can't I, I, it's not for me I've got a bit of a weak stomach, and I'm aware that TLC is coming up as well. And you know these kind of pay-per-views, I just this is not a kind of oh look at me, I'm best mates with wrestlers. But there have been plenty of wrestlers that I have got to know over the years, um, and I don't want, I don't want to see them hurt. And I know that part of their industry is going to obviously going to be you know going through pain barriers and taking some punishment. But I just think sometimes there is unnecessary risks taken, and we haven't even got to the main event yet. Um, and so that's that's why I didn't I didn't enjoy the the first match at all because wow. I just I just but that's that's me I am not saying it was a bad match it was a very good match it was very well worked the drama was excellent um, and you're right a couple of those spots for example that one when you're talking about with the Uso 
with the New Day on his shoulder and then the sort of the tope into the side of the cage, not a problem with that because that cage really isn't going to be that painful. No. no, no. Uh, so, no problem with that one. That's really nicely worked. But two or three other bits, I was like, needlessly dangerous, um, and just for me, just took me out of the match because I just can't, I can't see people getting hit with kendo sticks. It's just. It just doesn't doesn't work for me. But I accept that I'm in the minority. So this isn't one of my oh they should stop doing it rants, which you'll, I'll get to. Um, but just for me, if you if you are listening to this and you are of my sort of sensitivity, don't watch it because it's just a lot of it's blokes hitting each other hard. But if you are if you have less of a if more of a tolerance of that, which is probably most of you, then Paul's right. It was a good match if you can see past that. You see, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm only going to say this very briefly because I, I, essentially we agree on the most important parts. But um, what I will say is, there's a very big difference between what those guys did in that match and some of the spot fest and stunt fest that we see. You know, TLC with the 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 Hardys and the Dudleys and the whatever. That that is the one that springs to mind. What those guys did, essentially. Yes, you're obviously obviously right. Those kendo sticks would smart, but no one's losing a career by getting whacked with a kendo stick. They're going to get a bit of a welt and they're going to be absolutely fine. In a couple no, of they're days. they're not. They're Every, not. But I, I think of other everything people. they did in that match was in inverted commas safe. Um, wouldn't have wouldn't have been painless for the most part, but it wasn't going to go wrong and cripple anybody. No, no, you're probably right. It's just it's. I saw a clip today of um, uh, of someone that we worked with a couple of months ago. Um, Jimmy Havoc um, and I saw a clip of him I think it was in uh, is it IPW it was in with them um, getting jumped by Sabu Sa- Sabu at the end of a fight and it's a, there's yeah. a there's a, um, a, um, a screwdriver and it's bleeding and I'll just look at it and go it's just not wrestling that's talentless a pair of them talentless no Jimmy's not talentless Jimmy's a good wrestler and he's a really nice fella but there's no talent in being hit by a by a 50 year old man with a screwdriver that's not it's just that's not, it's not wrestling and I watch that do the rounds and I think there's really talented people out there you know really trying to do something and trying to wow you and it hurts them you know I don't mean physically hurts them but it, it hinders their ability to impress you because other people are willing to just bleed and we know the dangers of bleeding because of the, the whole Nigel McGuinness documentary and so I look at I look at an Usos versus New Day match when they're hitting each other with kendo sticks and I don't think you know necessarily bad of them for the context of that match because I understand you know the, the feud and how it's gone but I just think of other people around the world will go brilliant we'll just hit each other with kendo sticks then and, it, and yeah. just, you've got to be good first which is what people misunderstand about Mick Foley coming off the top of the cell and, you know and jumping off of his roof when he was a kid and all this kind of thing that's not how Mick made his money Mick was Mick was potless before he went to WWE Mick made his money because Mankind's an amazing character Yep. That's the only reason Mick Foley's a millionaire is because he can talk. Not because of his yep, wrestling, absolutely. not because of jumping off of things, it's because he can talk. And he talked people into the building. The fact that he could take a lot of punishment obviously has helped him because he's able to have been done stuff that other people haven't, or if other people have tried it, then they've wrecked themselves doing so. But Mick, Mick could have taken no bumps ever and he'd still be a millionaire if he'd have got in the right positions because he's, he's a talented man. And that's, that's what frustrates me is that I look at five talented guys and think, I don't think you need to go to those places that are that dangerous. I think you are good enough without those shots. But I do respect and I do appreciate what you're saying, which is that there was a logic to it. The, you're, you're probably right in the sense that the risks weren't mega high. You, you're right. No one's going to break a neck. You could argue that just doing a suplex is more dangerous than getting hit by a kendo stick in some ways. I get that. 
but I'm I just there's just something it's it's my own little um you know neurosis that that, that doesn't allow me to to get too involved. Anyway, we've gone deep into this than I uh, than we I expected. Have. We but, have. Um, but, but fair enough. Consen- is consensus is phenomenal match. Not your taste. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's a little bit like at the time, I would have told you that ECW One Night Stand in 2005 would have been one of my favourite pay per views ever. I was 21. You know, not quite the same sensitivities. We didn't know so much as we know now about. Um, concussions. It was pre-Benoit. Um, it was pre-Nigel McGuinness. Now, to go back and just even think about some of the stuff that Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka did that night, oh, I just, just I, it makes me shudder now. It was at the time I loved it. And it's just, your sensitivities change, I think, as you get older and as your personal circumstances change. And to me now, I think there's more to life than getting hit by kendo sticks. I'd much rather watch a, you know, a really good technical wrestling match than than people getting hit with uh, with plunder. But anyway, we, mo- we, we move on. Um, it's not my biggest issue of the evening. Um, my biggest issue of the evening is, uh, is a little bit more of a, a broad uh, brushstroke. And it was just... Again, I, I found myself watching a lot of this show thinking, maybe this isn't for me. And now, I, I worry that too many wrestling fans think that these days, and that's why they're switching off. Part of it is because of things like the pushes of Roman Reigns when people don't want them. Um, but we've talked about that ad nauseum. What I mean on this show was that not only do I think that those sorts of wrestling fans are getting um, punished, you know, the, the quote-unquote um, you know, hardcore fans or the internet fans, or call them what you will, seeing some of their guys not you know, get exactly where they want them to be and other guys getting pushed. But I worry that casual fans would have watched this show and just been really turned off by... The fact there were seven matches on this show, if you don't inc- include the uh, the pre-show, of the seven matches, Paul, how many were won by babyfaces? Um, one. Well, Bobby Roode, two, two. Bobby Roode and Randy Orton, I guess. Three technically, because Charlotte, right? But I'm saying that um, Bobby uh, Roode, okay, yeah, yeah, Bobby yeah. Roode won with a roll-up holding the tights, and then immediately got attacked and left lying. So the heel got his heat back. And Charlotte yeah. won by DQ, but it was essentially an, a, an unsatisfactory finish because, you know, Natalia kept her title. One match, and I would argue the one match was probably the one that meant the least um, in the context of the night. As it was, I thought it was a cracking little 10 or 11 minute match with Orton and Rusev. It had easily my favourite spot of the night, which was the conclusion. I thought that was a wonderful conclusion. Yeah. That was beautifully done. The roll it through was. from or- to block the Orton RKO to roll through into the accolade to roll through into one of the best looking RKOs I've seen in years. I thought was a gorgeous finish. Forget whether you wanted Rusev to win or not. Forget what you think of Orton. Forget whether or not you you know you enjoyed the rest of the show. That was a piece of art. <laughs> it was like, and I suspect that Orton never felt a thi- uh, that Rusev never felt a thing. And that's the kind of thing that leads me to say that. Okay, you can do all you like with hitting a kendo stick, but Orton and Rusev just pulled off a piece of theatre and no one got hurt by that. Um, but Orton was the only person all night to win as a babyface with no consequence, and I don't really feel that people were all that behind Randy Orton. I just felt it was a three-and-a-bit-hour show. I know there are a lot of people who are behind Kevin Owens, um, but I just felt you kept on getting knocked down. The Usos won a straight-up fight, basically, heels, Corbin, okay, it was sneaky, 
but no one's supposed to like Corbyn and he's won a triple threat. You've had Charlotte, that's a you know a mishmash finish and you're disappointed. Shinsuke's the lowest point he's ever been, even more emasculated by this match. And then, you know, Shane gets outsmarted at the end by um, Kevin Owens. Not necessarily are any of those bad decisions, but all-encompassing. I just felt it was a, a pay-per-view that kind of had you feeling, oh, not again. Like, how can my guy... Get, oh, not again. And it was like, I just... I'd never felt that there was this... Again, I'm not necessarily talking for me. I'm talking for the wider public. I just feel they would have kept going, my guys are just getting done at the moment. So if you're a big AJ Styles... Shane McMahon and Charlotte fan tonight and Shinsuke you know the three people fighting for big titles plus the guy fighting his nemesis they've all got screwed and you but you don't feel like there's going to be much of a comeback you don't feel like Shinsuke's going to win you don't feel like you know AJ's going to get his own back on Corbin it's booked it's a it's a real heel territory at the moment and it's a I don't feel that there's a lot of hope given to the baby face and I, I worry about that because the only baby face that is given any of that hope is Roman Reigns, and everyone else that's given those kind of hopes are those kind of in-betweeny characters we've talked about over the recent weeks, like Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. So I have a real fear, especially on SmackDown, that, that where's my hero? You know, there's only really AJ that stands out as a babyface hero on SmackDown, and he lost again. Well, you just wait, mate. You wait till Royal Rumble when Braun Strowman wins, jumps to SmackDown, and then body slams Jinder Mahal on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> Do you know what? I'd take that right now. I'd absolutely take that. It's coming, mate. It's coming. Don't you worry. I just think that the, the, the Mahal thing, I think, in, in particular, is really, you know, too far. I mean, okay, yeah. that's fine. I, I understand exactly why he got the push. I understand why he got, why he got the belt. You know, I get that there are bigger factors, you know, at large here. If they can break into India and make a huge market over there... You know, fair play to them, that makes total sense. But they are at risk of alienating the rest of the world, in particular North America. But the rest of the world is going, this guy really isn't very good. You know, it's not a it's not a heel like JBL, that's kind of what they're going for, isn't it? They're kinda of going for the JBL yes. title reign. But JBL could talk you into a building. JBL wasn't a great wrestler, but he was convincing enough as a brawler. He was a tremendous talker. And he, you hated JBL because he told you how worthless you were. And he meant it. And you went, oh, I want, it, I want this guy to get his comeuppance from, from Brock or from Eddie or from, or from whoever. But you listen to Mahal and go, oh, just shut mate, will you? It's a real... It, to, to me, it's turn off the TV heat. And... You know, I think that the antidote is to have someone that's a great wrestler. They talk about SmackDown being something different. You want the great wrestler to be the champ. It's like, remember when people talked about the SmackDown Six? You know, the unofficial name for for those six guys. And people watched SmackDown because it was a, there was great wrestling on SmackDown. And I think if you had Nakamura as champ or or various others as champ and, and went back to that kind of thing and went let's said let's let's focus on four to six guys that can really go. You know, I just it worked once before because this is the thing that worked that's not a an internet myth you know that we liked those guys and that's what we liked but actually the you know the, the ratings went down because there was lots about that there are lots of people that talk about how you know what a great and innovative and different champion punk was and you go well the ratings did go down then that won't have all been punk's fault but you know punk you know fiscally was not a successful champion 
but if you look at the SmackDown ratings during that era where Heyman was booking and you had Eddie and Benoit and Edge and whoever else, those SmackDown ratings were very, very good in comparison. And it's like you have a proven history that if you can book captivating, entertaining, athletic television, um, that it works. And I, I want to see them have a go at that because I just think that the Mahal experiment has now failed. Um yeah, it's no surprise to anybody, is it? You did, you did right with the, com- the pa- comparisons to JBL. The problem is, as you say, Jinder can't talk. He can't wrestle in an interesting style. Um, he looks amazing, and he's of Indian descent. Um, I quite like his little hit squad, the little the Bollywood boys. I think that's quite a nice little quirk. But yeah, it just feels so depressing because you do get the feeling we're in this for the long run. Um, and he's he's going to be a long-term champion and, and people just don't give a shit so all I'll say is that I hope it's driving them a lot of business in India because it, it's clearly driving a lot of business away in the short term in everywhere else because it's just it's just a nothingness you, you don't get the impression like when it was um, when it was JBL on top you got the impression that he was a beatable champion that could be beaten at any time but I just don't feel that with Jinder I just feel like it's a massive void of nonsense like that match with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura on Sunday, it just felt... I, 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 was, I had no expectation whatsoever of Nakamura winning. So it just it just felt like a complete damp squib. How how badly must, they th- must Nakamura feel about being stuck with this guy? Yeah, he's in a world title feud, but it's just crap. Um, sorry, I can't really be more enlightening about it. It's just an absolute dead end. There were people when Nakamura first got signed, um, which are not far off of two years ago to now, I would say, wouldn't it be? Um, when you think about it, was it, a, it was quite. Uh, it was. It was. It was very, very marginally before Royal Rumble. Yeah, it was the so back end of back end of the year, wasn't it? And then yeah. obviously AJ debuted at that Rumble. So you know, we're not a million miles off of two years, at least since the rumours started. Um, mm. And there were people that said to me, "I've heard a lot about this guy. What's he like?" And based off of literally having seen about three of his matches, but the first time I was exposed to Shinsuke Nakamura was at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, the one there was a big push behind um, by Jeff Jarrett um, yep. and, and doing the GFW coverage of it. Jim Ross called it Matt Stryker. Um, uh, and that was available on, on an app. On And I remember watching that specifically, and that's the first time I'd been exposed to Nakamura. And before he got to the ring, I knew he was a star. And then he wrestled the match, and I think that was against AJ. And he wrestled that night, and it was mind blowing. And yep. and I watched a couple more matches since then. You know, found him on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, this guy is so good. And so anyone would go, what's Nakamura like? And I'd go, you're gonna love him. He's amazing. He's got the Michael Jackson, Freddie Mercury thing going on, but he can back it up, etc., etc. And after about two weeks of him being on NXT, I had, a, I had several people go, oh, you were so right. You were so right. He's, you know, he's, you know, his first match against Sami Zayn before it even started. You sort of went, oh, this guy's ex- exceptional, blah blah blah. And now you really feel everyone going, this is Nakamura, is it? This is the great Nakamura you told us about. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you didn't watch NXT so far, you've seen Nakamura have one good match with Cena. Like, has he done yeah. anything, anything other than that that's made you go, wow? No. Had a good, good match with Ziggler. Okay matches with Orton. I think only the Cena match on SmackDown did you go, oh, this guy's good. And 
other than that you've gone well so some of it's the booking some of it's the pairings some of it's not making him seem as big a star as he could do but some of it's got to be on Shinsuke you know these some you've got to stand up sometimes and at least play your part and you know clearly Jinder is the is the weaker of the two individuals in this match and you can't you know you can't uh, polish a turd as they say but um I think I want to see a bit more from I think people who are supposedly lesser lights than Shinsuke have got better matches out of Jinder than he has and I think it's a worry that well, I th- it's unless they simply go do you know what we can we can dial him back up whenever we want to because the fans will go for it so we'll just piss around with him for now and then at the Rumble we'll give him something to do and then we'll book him against AJ or WrestleMania and everyone will go wild which they will um, <laughs> yeah of course they will they can probably get away with it but I think long I don't see Nakamura I can see Nakamura being gone before WrestleMania 35 just runs his contract out and goes back to New Japan. Oh because yeah, yeah. So it's can it, I. So it's can not. I. You don't look at him and think, you know, because AJ Styles may be on the, you know, just about on the wrong side of forty now, but I can still see AJ Styles main event in WrestleMania forty. You know, I can see him being around in six years' time and still being. If he keeps himself in shape, AJ is Shawn Michaels. He's getting better. Yeah. Is 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 um the way he carries himself, the matches he has. AJ's better than he's ever been. Someone like Joe Agreed. physically isn't as good because he's been embattered a lot and he's the, the 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 natural shape he is doesn't mean he can be as light on his feet. But he's a great character and Joe will be able to keep himself going for several years because his character work is so good. But AJ's just, AJ's your Michaels, he's your Jericho. He, he he can keep on going. Someone like Finn, we talked about him last week. He's he's not got much of a, an age as far as the the viewer is concerned. So Finn can do another ten years worth of stuff if he wants to if he stays fit enough. But Shinsuke can't if he if he's just going to be like this because all he is is, a, is an attraction that comes down to the ring and and dances around and, and that's it at the moment and then wrestles mediocre matches. I mean I'm not going to I'm not saying he's the boogeyman or anything, but you know it, it's getting a little bit Bray Wyatt. It's all in the effect. It's not in the actual match at the moment. And unless you just say sod it, let's do a best of seven series with. AJ Styles or with someone else that can really go I, I worry that Nakamura will just fade away and we'll never really have got to know what he was like I would uh, I, I definitely give a penny for Nakamura's thoughts at the moment because who knows where his head's at you come in you give him presumably quite a lucrative contract you have an amazing match on your debut which is rightly acclaimed as arguably the best match of the year then you spend a year in development. Okay, so you know we all enjoyed his NXT run as punters, but how does that feel for a guy like Shinsuke Nakamura, who's been a gigantic star in Japan for a few years already? You know, does he really want to be schlepping around armories in Florida for a year? I'm not so sure. You know, there's a very good chance that that year in NXT could have done him more damage, ego-wise and freshly, than any of us could know. Um, and maybe the maybe you just had the passion beaten out of him. You, we just we, it's impossible for us to tell because that sort of stuff just doesn't come out on a regular basis. Now he's on the main roster. You're absolutely right. If that's all you've ever seen of Shinsuke Nakamura, you've already lost interest because he's been there for what five months now, four months, something like that. Um, and he's done very little of interest. Literally, if that was your first exposure, you'd be excited to see him. They built up his debut well, and you go, right, okay. All right, let's try him again next month. It was, oh no, he's crap again. It's, okay, right. So I'm done. So you've checked out Shinsuke Nakamura already. So anybody that doesn't know the history, they've ruined him. 
already and a lot of that is because he's been given crap to work with a completely unmotivated Dolph Ziggler Jinder Mahal and yeah if if I was his head and I was as pissed off with my treatment as he might be you know you're not going to give it 100% you know you got you know when it's we've all had jobs where you go into work and for one reason or another you're just not feeling it and they don't get the best out of you and maybe that's where we are with Shinsuke now and it can end up being a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy on the WWE's part completely you know? And, oh, this guy's not good enough. Well, are you allowing him to be good enough? And same for him. It's like, is he really doing all that he can? Um, we just don't know the ins and outs of that. In terms of the NXT thing that you're talking about being there for a year, I, I can defend that to a point in the sense that that has worked several times um, with lots of other wrestlers. Like, you can say that Samoa Joe didn't need to be in developmental, um, that Finn Balor didn't need to be in developmental, um, Seth Rollins, so many others, right? two things one they've built NXT into a brand now and that brand has been built off the back of building people like that into names and you've had to have had names around you can't just keep on binning everyone and getting them all up to the main roster at the starting again hence why you know there's a fill of people from Ring of Honor using their own names by the way I think it's an interesting thing that uh, since you know that little run from because you know Asuka came in name change um Kenta, name change. Finn Balor, name change. But after a little while, it started to be, okay, well, Joe's Joe, and Bobby Roode's Bobby Roode, and Roderick Strong, and Adam Cole, and, you know, suddenly we're getting a lot of real names, not real names, but they're, you know, previous gimmick names Yeah. Um, being used. And I think as much as anything, that's WWE saying, okay, building the NXT brand, this is important to us as making money off these guys in the future. Um, knowing that they're probably going to mostly be short-term hits and they can they can look after that so that's fine I'll defend WWE for that so you need someone like Nakamura around for a year or so to you know headline the brand and it worked yep so that's cool secondly the Shields debut amazing Finn Balor coming in at the right time really quickly Universal Champion and injury put pay to what could have been a really great debut um, who else has there been Samoa Joe the way that Joe suddenly debuted bang and hit someone on the uh, on Raw like that right at the very top he was defending Triple H what a way to come in they have had a tendency to debut people really really well yeah um, and I would always argue hold someone back a year and then time it right rather than just going oh, we've got him shove him on telly but we don't know what to do with him they didn't know what to do with AJ they debuted him brilliantly at the Royal Rumble but they didn't know what to do with him he buggered around he wrestled Jericho he lost to Jericho and they didn't really know what they were doing with him until they managed to get him with Cena and then things started to click and then they realised oh my god this guy's fantastic it took a while, that wasn't AJ's fault that was their fault but they got there in the end but I think it's more to do with the timing because don't forget they put AJ in straight away you absolutely could argue that AJ would have been better off going to NXT and then debuting on Raw at the right time it's worked out okay for him but his being introduced straight in didn't work it worked for one night, but it didn't work for the um, for the first six months until he really got himself rolling. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not I am not saying that you shouldn't put guys on NXT for a year. Absolutely not. All the examples you gave are right. Bobby Roode, his time down there did wonders for him. Drew McIntyre is in the perfect spot now for a year down there, and then he'll come back to the main roster with a bang. I think it's a great method. Yeah. But like any system, it doesn't work for everybody. And I think there's there's somewhat of a pattern that you could detect, and it's maybe I'm being a general, maybe I'm being guilty of generalising, maybe I'm not, 
but I just get the feeling it didn't quite work personally for Shinsuke Nakamura and the other one that I don't think it's worked for is Kenta um, and it could be because these guys are so used to being you know massive stars they were like Cena and Orton in Japan so it's like sending Cena and Orton to New Japan and asking them to work Young Lions house shows for a year um, how would they feel um, you know, with guys like Joe and AJ, they're more sort of familiar with their position in the world. They know that coming from TNA to NXT is an upgrade, and they can be more patient. Where Styles and Itam, uh, sorry, um, Nakamura and Kenta are used to headlining, you know, what Tokyo Dome shows, and how many guys? Forty thousand people in the Tokyo Dome? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, it, it must be psychologically quite damaging to go from that and being worshipped as a god in your own country to carrying your own bags around from Saskatchewan, one Florida um, where you're at the local high school for a year I think it's probably hard for guys like that and it will reflect in how they perform from uh, where where in Florida? Saskatchewan. have you never been? no not, not sure anyone yeah, yeah. has um, <laughs> you don't just, mean, south uh... of, just south of Tallahassee I think oh yeah Sasquatch one. Yeah, yeah, right. you've heard of it, yeah? Nothing like um, Saskatchewan in Canada, no? No, 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 twinned with. But oh, twinned with, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Twinned with, okay, I'll let you off. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> terrific. Um, we need to touch on the main event. Um, I don't want to do it for too long. Um, but uh, first of all, um, our end is in our beginning. Let's start at the end. Um, did you see coming the uh, Sami Zayn interaction? Whether you did or you didn't, what did you think of it? Uh, yes, I did. Don't I? Don't. Well, sorry, I'm blowing my own trumpet. Yes, I saw it coming. Uh, I can't remember whether I mentioned it on the podcast last week or not, but I've, I had certainly mentioned it to people. Uh, to me, it was telegraphed as soon as he had that interaction with Shane um, on TV a few weeks ago. Where Shane brushed him off. I was like, boom, heel turn, it's coming. Um, and I knew exactly. I knew that that would be the finish. Uh, but I, obviously, how they executed it was phenomenal. The timing on that was absolutely insane and you know you talk about potential for injury christ that could have been very nasty if they'd have got it one split second wrong it could um i watched that again let's not dwell on the same complaints i had in the first match this was similar complaints but for different reasons obviously these were gigantic bumps and mainly the wrestling on the top especially when a couple of them a couple of times they broke into a run and i thought oh god it only takes one little trip and you've gone there and I yeah. just, that was, my heart was in my mouth. It just wasn't worth it. But I, we joked around last week. I've even called it today, you know, hell in and around the cell. Um, it was the most telegraphed it's ever been um, that they weren't going to try and stay in the in the cell. The rest put up a very faint effort to stop Shane, who had hidden some bolt cutters. <laughs> was, okay, <laughs> fine. Um, this may as well have been a gigantic cage match rather than a cell. Um, yeah. But you just watch the match going, well, we're just waiting for Shane to do something big. And so it was the spend half an hour waiting for Shane to do something big. I really, really liked Owens going to jump off and then deciding against it because he's a chicken. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, and then we all knew that Shane was going to jump off it. And the whole the case is just hopefully he's okay. You know, We'll see. I, th- I think he probably is okay. I was very interested to see uh, two of my um, former outlets, um, The Mirror and The Sun, um, writing pieces saying that Shane McMahon has been hospitalised, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hmm. It's very, think... very funny you should mention that. Um, I was away Monday, early Monday through to Tuesday night. Going about 11 o'clock Tuesday night, my wife was 
waiting up for me. She was in bed reading, and um, we were chatting about what I've been up to and stuff like that. And she suddenly went, "Is Shane McMahon really, really injured?" And I said, "Excuse me." Like the last question I expected to hear from her. I was like, "You what?" Obviously, she'd been to WrestleMania. She'd seen him do his last bump off the cell. She recognised the name. I said, "Pardon?" She goes, "Yeah, it came on my Facebook feed earlier. I think it was like some website." Had put uh, there was a story about how he's really critically injured in hospital after he fell off a big cage. And I said, no, it's you know it's just just a fake one, just a storyline. And then and she was quite disgusted that it was reported by the Sun and the Mirror and other people that it was genuine. She was like, well, that's not right because it's a TV show. And I tried to say, oh well, it's only like them reporting on X Factor. Um, you know, reporting a tiff between Simon Cowell and Louis Walsh, and that's all storyline as well. And she went, "Yeah, but Simon Cowell isn't leaving in a, an ambulance and being reported to be in critical condition in hospital." And I said, Do "You know what? That's an absolutely fair point." And it's really got me thinking all week. You know, long I've long liked to see better, more respectful coverage of wrestling in the mainstream media, but this is the one time I think where they've reported on a storyline injury as being real, and it's it has kind of turned my stomach because it's not right it's just not right you know imagine the worry that certain people of course I think there's, if that's been a deliberate piece to make to, to, to play stories that sounded real and genuine as if it was a real world injury then uh, shame on whoever is responsible because I don't you know for my wife to ask me that question bear in mind this is my wife that does not want to talk to me about wrestling at all whose eyes glaze over at the mere mention for her to say that laying in bed after I've not seen her for two days was it nearly knocked me sideways so um, it was clearly out there there's clearly a lot of people seeing it kids impressionable children um, I'm not a fan of that reporting at all so yeah shame on whoever's fault that is I was very disappointed with it um, I won't necessarily go after the people that wrote the pieces I don't I don't remember their names um it may not have been might not, be that, might not be their yeah, line might not probably be their won't line. Ne- listen I'll let you in on a secret when I was when I was writing for this oh well okay I'll try and be brief about this but I have to be doing a roundabout way when uh, I, when I first started writing for The Sun Simon Rothstein did all the uh, the wrestling editing uh, at The Sun I was never full time at The Sun um, you know all this Paul I know but I'm telling the, the listener um, when Simon who was full time at the company left um, and I took over as the lead wrestling writer. I did not become the wrestling editor. I did not get full say. I was just the one that did most of the uh, the writing and some a little. I commissioned a few to put some other writers and stuff. But I had first dibs on interviews, all that kind of thing. But I was not the editor, although pretty much what I wanted to do went. But it was not necessarily um, all up to me. Um, we did have a couple of names. If you ever saw things come up, I won't say what the names were, but we had a couple of things that came up. It would say written by so-and-so or written by so-and-so, um, which were not me. Um, in fact, they were not anyone. They didn't exist. They were people that would be you know, sort of made-up names. Um, right. Which, which was usually some sort of um, press, comp- uh, press release or you know some sort of thing that was written um, that was a generic thing. Rather than bothering Rob, we'll just knock it out ourselves in the office and and get it done they were almost they were almost always harmless it was usually as you just said it was usually something like a, a bickering between Louis Walsh and um, Simon Cowell so it was like someone on a, on a podcast had slagged someone off or something like that that's generally what yep. they were occasionally it was you know here's the latest you know diva pics of someone because it was the sun right um, I didn't have a massive problem with either of those two things it wasn't the kind of thing I would do but it didn't have my name on it I would have gone crazy if they'd have put my name on it 
um, but they didn't. Um, generally speaking, I was happy at the Sun. Um, it was my choice to leave um, as I became more and more, you know, fed up with. It was harder to get proper wrestling out there as opposed to uh, clicky stuff. I was given the opportunity to go to the Mirror. Um, Rob Lee, who was the Mirror guy who did the wrestling over there. Um, very kindly asked me to come over and write a column. It wasn't a, I wasn't a news reporter over there. I was a weekly columnist, which I enjoyed doing for a year or so. Uh, and I stopped doing it for two reasons. One, because my work commitments were getting larger. And two, because um, Rob left. And essentially, I was working for him, I felt, rather than working for the Mirror, which is not really my choice of newspaper. Anyway, the reason I'm giving you those two little bits of information is because I don't want to seem like a bitter, oh, the sun sacked him, or oh, the Mirror sacked him. I've never been... Um, I got rid of from any uh, publication I've written for. Uh, genuine, it's always been my choice. Um, so it is not bitter Rob that's looking back at his old stomping grounds and putting the boot in. I thought it was really, really, really poor of them. And I thought it was them getting, rolling over and getting their tummy tickled by WWE because we had problems with WWE when I was working for The Sun where they wouldn't let us do interviews and stuff because we refer to them as wrestling and they didn't want to be wrestling, they wanted to be WWE or they wanted to be in news rather than sport. They had all these problems. And I remember a very, very protracted um, issue with getting a, an interview with CM Punk, which was the last sort of real wrestling interview we did from uh, someone that was a current, or at the time current, WWE superstar when his uh, DVD came out. Um, and... Uh, uh, Lauren, who works with us at uh, with Hooked On uh, up in our Manchester shows. Um, Lauren was there uh, working for a PR company at the time, and she did a very, very good job of being able to uh, get that interview for me. But you know, she she would recall that it took a lot of negotiation. Okay, we'll agree to put it in sport, not wrestling, and it can be linked to from this, but not this. And it was an absolute ball ache, and it was discussions about exactly where it was going to be positioned, and this couldn't be mentioned, but this could. It was a nightmare. Um, and so I know what they like to deal with, and I suspect that right now it's probably easier for people that are not, you know, quite so full on with the wrestling side of things that I was to just say, okay, if we get a press release from WWE, we'll just run it. And I suspect that what happened was WWE have got them, got the Sun and have got the Mirror on a on a press list, and they would have sent out a press release on a Monday morning from the European office, which we've been told to send it from America, and that those desks would have probably just run the story without thinking about it. Um, that I suspect is is what happened. Um, I have not checked the uh, the Daily Star's website um, or the paper this week, but I am 100% confident that Patrick Lennon will not report that kind of thing because Patrick, Patrick Lennon is a proper journalist. Yeah. Um, okay, he's a very very good friend of ours, so obviously I'm going to um, want to protect him. But there's no way Pat would run. No, not of, a million years. If he, if, if he does mention it, he's likely to mention it tongue-in-cheek and to say, hmm, WWE reporting that Shane McMahon's injured, blah, blah. He, would, he might mention it, but he would be, it would be tongue-in-cheek because Pat's a pro. And I don't want, I'm really not being nasty to anyone at the Sun or the Mirror there because I don't know them and it's not anything personal. It's just I just feel that there's no care being taken and, and it makes me feel bad because for a little while, you know, started by Simon... You know, continued through by Joel and his, his um, participation in WrestleCast and a few others that used to help us out. You know, we built a little, not empire, but we had a good thing going at the Sun for a wee while and we had a lot of um, a lot of viewers. And uh, listen, I know there's all kinds of problems that people have with the Sun and, and whether it's right or it's wrong or whatever, I, that's your own personal 
issue and I don't blame you for having it but as far as the wrestling section went we had a really good thing going for a few years we had some groundbreaking interviews um, and really really professional proper content and I hate reading it and seeing basically an app to mag and it's like I just poor yeah really poor I wasn't expecting to do that little sideline but it just came to me when we were talking about the Shane bump and I thought listen I really want to get this off my chest because it's it's something I used to hold very dear and uh, you know people will associate me with that kind of thing even though I haven't written for the sun for for five years or so but uh, anyway should we move on we've been way too negative so far mate because it was actually not a bad pay-per-view on Sunday but we've picked up on the negatives or certainly I have and I'm feeling bad about that so give me something positive from the show or even from the week of wrestling um, to put us back into a good position because it's we've been way more negative than we ought to and we always say it's wrestling enjoy it I'm not sure that I've been that negative, considering I've just said one match. No, on you the haven't. Was the best match of the year. I but have. I what have. I will, what I will say is that um, I uh, of the main event, I enjoyed the main event as a spectacle. Um, went far, went way longer than I expected. It really didn't need to go that long, but I thought it was an interesting little stunt show. We're not going to the right, what, rights and wrongs and what we think is necessary or not. But what I will say is that that angle that ended the pay-per-view and then bled over onto SmackDown with Sami Zayn's heel turn was very, very well done. Agreed. Really, really Agreed. didn't see how Zayn could make a good heel. Um, now, he's a very good wrestler, so you, you, you should re- I should really give him the benefit of the doubt. And although I, I like the story of, give, of the heel turn that I knew was coming, I couldn't really see how he'd do well in it. But already within one night, he's proved me wrong. He came out... He had some smarmy mannerisms. Even his bloody scar entrance kind of works as a heel entrance as well. Um, he, he changed his whole mannerisms. He came out with an explanation for what he did that made absolutely 100% perfect sense. Um, and now we've well, got well, it made sense the in the right way. It made sense in the right way, didn't it? Because it, it made sense, sort of. It made sense. You, you, wanted, you wanted to go, oh, come on. Don't you? It, well, it was, yeah. It, it, but as a heel, in, in, heel in the right way, exactly. It was. Um, um, that's not a criticism by me. You're, you're right. But you didn't go. Oh, he's got a point. Yeah. If I was Sammy, I'd have done the same. You mean it? it but it had the, it had a, a narrative of why he would do it that didn't make you go. Oh, come on. It made you go. Oh, mate, what are you thinking? And that's yep. what you're supposed supposed to be doing. I kind of have the idea that in the back of my mind, at some stage, that Owens is going to be in a perfect position to do something. And Zayn is going to screw him, and it'll I don't be like, see that. and it'll be the kind of like, a little bit like the Orton um, Wyatt thing, like you know, I, you, I was, you know, I had to, I had to kind of like infiltrate you to sort of kill you, sort of thing. I wonder if at some point they might the long con, yeah, that maybe if it like getting towards WrestleMania or something, Zayn might turn on uh, Owens and and we we'll, we'll, we're meant to be happy, except for the fact that people will probably boo Zayn for turning on Owens. Um, but uh, we'll see how that goes in the long term. No, a good, a good call, I think. A good call. Um, I'm going to do a very, very quick negative because I've just remembered it. And uh, oh, I, will, I, I will pass it off as a, as a flippant comment, even though I'm furious. Um, dear director of the pay-per-view, and indeed Shane O'Mac, um, if you are putting your children at ringside, director, if you know that Shane's children are at ringside... If you're going to have Kevin Owens shout at them and essentially tell them that he's going to shit their dad up, don't cut to them when they're laughing. I just, 
That was such a bad piece of directing. They are meant to be terrified of this big bearded brute that is effectively, as on TV said that they, they he wished that their dad had been killed, and then is in their face going, "I'm going to beat him up," and then they're going, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, just don't show it. Just don't show it." The director can see that they're laughing on his monitor. Don't cut to it. It's just really poor. And Shane should be smiling his boys up as well, better to say, don't laugh. They <laughs> should be the grounded. Guy. They should be grounded, <laughs> Rob. And I tell you what, after that little com- that, that edition, you, there's no way you're doing the sign-off line again this week. Oh, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> You've got time to make up for it, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I've got the rest of the show. Um, all five hours of it to um, to try and get myself uh, <laughs> back in your uh, in your good graces. <laughs> and speaking of good graces, I knew I was going to be able to do some sort of segue. Um, we uh, genuinely love the. I'm not going to call them the Hooked on Universe, but the um, we we love the people uh, that are listening to this podcast, that follow us on social media, uh, that come along to our parties in particular. Um, Hooked on has been around uh, for a long time now, and various guises. Um, but you know us most for our parties. Um, that is most likely the reason you are listening to this now. You probably are uh, a hooked-on party-goer uh, that has started listening to the podcast. There will be others listening along as well. Welcome along if you are. Um, but uh, if you haven't been to our parties, then we'd love to see you come along. Um, we are doing some parties for Survivor Series. Paul is going to fill you in in just a second on what we're doing and where and how you can get tickets. But very quickly, it's we're doing this twofold it is um, not everywhere is there exactly the same blanket but it is a, either a free or much cheaper version of our normal parties uh, for two reasons one we would love if you've not come along before uh, perhaps because you think that it's a bit price prohibitive or you're not sure what it's going to be like um, this is going to give you a chance to sample it a bit it's not going to be our full on 100% parties think of it as being an old school in your house two hour pay per view rather than a three hour Wrestlemania <laughs> um, but um, we'd love you to come and sample and for those of you that are regular uh, visitors uh, we want to say thank you we did so um, at our Raw Rumble event a couple of years ago where we uh, we comped the night um, you know, just to say when people had already paid and we comped the night to say thank you, um, you know, we've done that before yeah. we may do it again um, but we, that's genuinely what we did. We, we're not in the business of giving away money, folks. Um, but it just it made sense at the time. Uh, and so, similar now, we want to say thank you. So we'd love you to come and join us, um, either for free or for a, a limited amount of money, uh, at Survivor Series for all of our um, pay-per-view parties. Uh, and Paul is going to give you a bit of a rundown on where we're going uh, and what's on. Yep, absolutely. So, first of all, we've got three events running at all the shooters' bars across the country. Uh, those are in Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Nottingham, Cardiff, and Liverpool. The great guys at shooters um, have allowed, you know, they've, they've put something in place to allow us to organise these parties and still um, not lose a shed load of cash and still let you guys in for free. So, thank you to them for that. Um, so they're free parties what we ask you to do simply so we can understand um, what numbers of you are coming so we can get the staffing right is to please 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 go to ringsideworld.co.uk or hookedonevents.co.uk um, buy your ticket I know that sounds silly for a free ticket but buy the ticket which is £5 what you get back on the night is you get given a £5 bar voucher that you can either use or save or do whatever you want with so we're not 
the tickets are free but we're just asking for that deposit just so we, we know you've got skin in the game we know you're going to turn up when we get the staff numbers right that's it um they're not going to be full-on hooked on parties like rob said they're in your house parties for us um, but hopefully it'll give you a great idea of what the atmosphere is like if you've never been before give yourself a chance to catch up with some of your hooked on mates if you do come to our parties regularly um so yeah they're, they're you know but the pay-per-view will be there the tunes will be there the atmosphere will be there so you're gonna have a great time regardless uh, in london it's going to be a bit close to what we do normally do in fact it is going to be a full-on hooked on party it's just unfortunately we're gonna not have the great rob mcnichol there we're gonna have to have someone stand in for him um, we haven't quite decided who that'll be yet, but um, we'll get there and we'll announce it soon enough. But yeah, we've got a full party at the Grand. Um, we're going to have a quiz. We're going to have the WE 2K18 tournament. 2K18, that is, rather than 17. Uh, we're going to have the Beer Pong Championship back. Um, we might get the fancy dress arrest just because it was a fairly low turnout last time. We need you guys to get your thinking caps on for Royal Rumble to get some costumes going. But don't let me discourage you from coming anyway if you want to. Um, and of course we're going to have the magnificent confetti cannon that made its hooked on <laughs> debut at the uh, at SummerSlam which we absolutely loved that's going to be back um, so what we've done with this one because we have got a little bit more of the old bells and whistles um, at this party we haven't been able to do this completely free but we've managed to get these some really really great discounts in place so rather than the usual prices we're going to be doing £7 is going to be the top price ticket £7 but if you buy your early bird ticket before the end of October, that is £5, okay? If you want it even cheaper than that, as a loyal previous customer, we're not giving this code out willy-nilly, but as a previous customer, um, a previous guest of ours, or a listener to this podcast, if you go to ringsideworld.co.uk, select the ticket you want, and, um, and use the voucher code loyalty 17 that's caps all caps lock loyalty 17 you'll get an additional 20 percent off those ticket prices so if you book before the end of october and you're booking a single ticket that's four quid which is the cheapest party we've done in london's is our very very first one where it was three quid on the door um so there's no excuse not to get your ticket in we're going to cap it at a certain number for those discounted tickets. If you want the discount, get them now. That's not hyperbole. Get them before they sell out. We sold a boatload already, so come on, guys, get to it. Um, what do you mean I'm not hosting? Oh, didn't you get the memo? What a way to find out. Is it? <laughs> is it because I've been so negative so far? Is that what it is? That's well. The the facts came through from WWE just a few minutes ago, and they've asked us to remove you. Um, post haste so uh, yeah sorry Rob until you cheer up I'm afraid you're out of the picture I bet that's what, what they told Neville what <laughs> don't give away our new host oh sorry I beg your pardon no, no, no. We, couldn't, we couldn't use Neville in London we need subtitles <laughs> oh, brilliant um, yes anyway uh, I can't be there unfortunately folks prior engagement um, but um, uh, it still should be fun uh, in fact plenty of people listening are going you know it doesn't really put us off to be honest um, <laughs> so not really a big deal uh, but uh, go along and have fun I will say this the, the venue because we did it for SummerSlam for the first time at the, at the ground in Clapham right next to Clapham Junction Station is a doozy uh, it's great fun just if you, all you're interested in is sitting back and watching the wrestling perfect you can go up and sit it's an old theatre so you can go and sit up in like the, 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 um, the dress circle nice comfy seats enormous screen the size of the theatre backdrop it's a joy just to sit back and watch that if you're not interested in anything else 
all of those other things are a lovely adornment as well. It's a great venue. And as Paul said, we had the confetti cannon going during the show. And also our tech guy on the night um, was playing around with all the uh, the lighting effects. So oh, really? when uh, Finn, Finn Balor made his entrance, we had uh, we had all red lighting and it was all it was all fantastic. It just added to the show, made you that little bit closer to the action. So um can highly recommend going to that one, even though I'm not there. Ah. Mm. Oh. Um, anyway, so uh, loyalty seventeen. Don't forget that as your uh, as your uh, your extra code to uh, get that little bit off. Um, and it's our it's our way of saying thank you, as we said before. So um, uh, it'd be great to see you there, or not for me, but it'd be great for everyone else to see you there. And uh, did you mention all of the uh, all the venues? I believe I got through them all, but we'll go we'll, we'll, we'll go one more time: Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, Cardiff, Nottingham, Birmingham, and London. Good stuff. And if you're not included on that. A venue you've been to previously, or somewhere that uh, is near to you that's not been included, that does not mean we're not coming to you for the Rumble for WrestleMania. It's just oh, some God. places need some places need a bit of a change. Some people some places need a bit of a rest. Um, some places we don't have people available. Some places the bar was booked. There's all sorts of reasons why um, we're not necessarily coming to you, but it does not mean. Uh, that we won't be coming to you for the Royal Rumble and basically stay tuned because once we get to Survivor Series we're only a couple of months away from the Rumble I think by the time we get to Survivor Series Paul we'll be pretty much in position to have Rumble tickets available will we not? Pretty much yep absolutely 9am the day after Survivor Series you'll be able to book your Rumble tickets and believe me uh, with the exception of one obvious exception every city we ran uh, every bar we ran for the uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view will be back Um, and the obvious exception being Bournemouth let's not beat around the bush we're not going back there Um, but we're very much endeavouring to find a new bar in the city and we think we've got one so Bournemouth we are 95% certain we'll be back to you but not in the same venue which people will be quite pleased with because we regardless of the snafu with the pay-per-view not great feedback from the venue as a whole anyway so um, yeah new and improved there Excellent, good stuff. It makes me happy. It's uh, it's been a, a place that I used to uh, used to live in. Um, anyway, let's get on to some uh, some other uh, wrestling matters. And um, we talked about on Monday night uh, there was a bit of a reunion. And um, we try not to do too many spoiler things on this show, but I don't think um, it's too bad getting to the end of the week and to uh, have not seen oh, it in some capacity. Oh, no. um, we're not going to go over exactly what happened blow by blow, but Paul, just give us a quick. Um, Benson approval rating of uh, the Shield on Monday night. My Benson approval rating is thumbs slightly towards the middle, but trending upwards. Um, it wasn't quite um, what I might have hoped it would be a couple of years ago when the Shield finally got back together. But regardless of that, it's wonderful to see the three of them back as a team again. So it was always going to get a, a slum thumb slightly up. Um, the Benson approval rating. Um, I've just realised it's something we can use going forward and we can copyright so I think we can call it the bar <laughs> I don't think anyone else is using that as a gimmick at the moment certainly not in context um, with the shield nah, nothing to do with wrestling I can't think of any bars in wrestling uh, just the bars we run our parties in so actually I've just remembered the highlight of the pay-per-view I can be positive about the pay-per-view um, the transition into the uh, Breezango segment with the focus on the picture of Cesaro saying Tooth Fairy 3 was lovely. Just lovely. All of of those, there's quite a lot of visual jokes in that one where they have things up on the board and off the top of my head they're disappearing but there was two or three things on those boards that were very funny. 
there's I, I, despite myself I'm I kind of like those segments and I, I sort of feel like I sort of feel like I shouldn't but I don't like the expression guilty pleasure but it's I'm sort of like I don't feel I should enjoy them but they're but they're funny despite how I would generally feel like I would feel about them I think they're hilarious um, they haven't overstayed the welcome yet and the guys are very funny I think there's no problem there at all um, oh they will certainly... they will outstay their welcome don't worry about it they'll, they'll, <laughs> they will batter it into the ground not if the Bludgeon Brothers have their way <laughs> the what? The you bludgeon have, you haven't seen the Bludgeon Brothers yet, have you? Uh, I've not seen all of them, no, oh. no. Okay. I'm not we'll going to ruin that. it for you. Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is, who they are. Just go on, after we've spoken, go on and uh, check out the vignette from SmackDown and the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, oh, that... Unintentional <laughs> hilarity. Okay, terrific. Uh, okay, but bringing it back to point, we talked about the Shield um, getting back together. Um, and it prompted us uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, factions last week and at this point I'd like to make a stipulation of the difference between a faction uh, and a stable uh, in my mind the shield is not a stable um, a stable would be when someone, a manager has a series of wrestlers now we spoke last week or a couple of weeks ago um, about Bobby Heenan and the Heenan family that to me is a stable they are a bunch of wrestlers that come together because they are owned, as it were, by a particular manager. All of the people that would have worked in um, for Jimmy Hart, so whether it was the Mountie and the Nasty Boys and IRS and whatever, that would be, to me, a stable. So it's a group of wrestlers managed by one person. The um, the Shield were a group together. To me, that's a faction. Or just call them, call them a group, um, if you like. Um, is, is, do you agree with that as a, as a fair definition? Yeah, I'm, I'm not... As strict on it as you are but yeah broadly I do yeah. yeah so okay so what we asked um, we uh, Paul put it on the Facebook and I put it on my uh, Twitter earlier on which we were uh, retweeted from the Hooked On account um, to uh, ask some of your opinions on if you could put together a faction right now from uh, what you're, you have at your disposal in WWE um, and we were happy to say to be a little bit uh flexible with it so um, that is that you can you can turn some people baby face and heel uh, you can move them from Raw and Smackdown you could call out from NXT you could even you know, bring in a, a sensible free agent you know we weren't going to say you know you're going to make a faction out of you know John Cena Brock Lesnar Akada and Kenny Omega that, that's not going to happen but a sensible it can be done bookable faction um, so we had uh, quite a few responses given that we only put this really out uh, a couple of hours before broadcast um, do you want to kick us off Paul with something that came in on the uh, on the Facebook or perhaps one that's come to your mind perhaps you've got a pitch yourself well let's start with the ones we get from social media and then maybe you and I can both throw one in ourselves as well because I've certainly got a couple I'd like to mention but from Facebook we've had some really interesting um, some pitches in some better than others so uh, start with my favourite one we've had in from Jonathan Byrne um, who suggests uh, a faction of Bobby Roode Kevin Owens Sami Zayn and Chris Jericho under the name Canadian Violence quite like that nice and simple um, and you can you can really imagine those four guys together absolutely loving it you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, what else we had a, guy, a chap called Connor Papal I don't recognise his name but he'd like to see Finn Balor, The Undertaker, and Kane in as the forces force of evil. Um, and then after that, we've got Matt Nowak, 
who suggests Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Page, and the authors of Pain under the tutelage of Paul Ellering, known as Dark Matter. So yeah, that, we've had a few in there. Um, I think I have to say I think Jonathan's is the best there. It's interesting that people have come in with some names as well. That's good. Uh, some mm. extra thought thought being put in. Uh, I rather like that. Um, something else I, I I mentioned when I was putting the uh, the tweets out about it was um, uh, I wanted to say, you know, think more than just oh I'd put the Wyatt family back together, but I'd put Trent Seven in it. Like for example, that uh, we wasn't really that kind of thing that we were looking at it was you know more of a you know come up with something and also come up with something that would make some sense in terms of my thought was really um evolution i didn't say it in the tweets but evolution was put together at that time with flair the grandfather figure triple h the guy on top at the time and then your two young stars in in orton and, and batista um and it worked very very well they tried a similar thing with with legacy um, I feel years later, but not only did they have some, um, they sort of missed some. Who did they have in Legacy to be? Was it, was it Sim Snooker was in Legacy, wasn't he? And, Sim uh, Snooker um, and, and Manu uh, was, was it Man- in Legacy. Manu, and it, was that, and it just it didn't work. And eventually they went to the uh, the, the triple with um, Cody and Ted, and that was a kind of okay. But I still don't think Legacy worked like they wanted it to. I think it was meant to be the vehicle to get Ted DiBiase Jr. super over, and it didn't work. Um, but that's not to say we can't try these things. So anyway. Um, just looking through uh, what I've got here, um, uh, Thick Vicious, that's P-H-I-K, uh, I can't really say it very well, but Thick Vicious, um, went with Baron Corbin, Kevin Owens, a heel Jericho, Maurice and Jinder, which mm, sounds quite okay. a disparate group of people, but he says those are typically the people who play the I got screwed card, so I can sort of see where he's coming from in terms of um, sort of attitude. Um and then uh, Matt Lockwood um, said Y2J is leader of a faction reunite DIY for a tag team potential single runs and if you'd allow me to bring in Tony Storm for the women's side so nice. he's obviously thinking about some people that Jericho could elevate I think Jericho came up in a lot I'm not going to go through all the ones I had but um, Jericho certainly came up more than more than anyone I think um, on the ones that I had um, and I kind of like that I think Jericho would be someone really good for, for this kind of I think last week I talked about my idea of having uh, I think I said Randy Orton with Drew McIntyre um, as, a, as a duo Did that, was that right did I say that last week no I don't um, remember that okay, I certainly mentioned about Orton and someone and it's that I like the idea of Orton you know, being a potential kind of coach to get someone along he's, he's done it before and I think it could work again um, and then Ryan Smith who's probably the uh, the one that I think has gone into the most um, th- in fact I'll come back to him because I like that one best Um uh, J.P. Kessler says Cena, Neville, Ziggler, and Page, um, but doesn't really give me any uh, sort of indication of what the the group is there. I think there might just be four people that he likes. Um, Lewis Collins um, goes with Apollo Crews, The Ascension, and Dolph. Um, he says okay. rename them and make them subservient to Bray. Um, so he's kind of he wants a, a basically a uh, a restart on the Wyatt family, but not exactly the same gimmick, but still having Bray as your cult leader but he'd be brainwashing people that are going nowhere and that he can sort of get into the minds of. So I can sort of see that. But yeah, going back, um, uh, Ryan Smith, uh, Ryanosaurus Rex on Twitter, um, goes with, and I do really like this, um, he goes with a manager slash coach, Regal, rehire Barrett, Neville, and then have Page and Nixon Newell. So obviously it's a, it's a British thing. 
Uh, he says, Regal has assembled them to conquer the WWE. There was a similar-ish angle on one of the games, he says. I don't know about that. Yeah, um, there was, it yeah. Also, it would also allow for an evolution-style bickering when one has the title and another one doesn't. Um, again, that's a little bit further down the line. Um, uh, also, one other I just I missed out that I realised I should have mentioned was that uh, Vinny on Twitter said that uh, maybe the best we can hope for is an NXT invasion led by Triple H to get control of SmackDown and then when that is successful tries to go on to Raw as well I think that's uh, reaching for it a little bit but I can see the uh, the fun in it but I want to particularly pick up on Ryan's one because I think they've not really done a British one before um, and they haven't and to be honest you've, you've my idea is exactly the same okay well let's let's hear yours then because I had some thoughts based off of what Ryan said with some uh, some different individuals so I don't um, think, I don't think my my idea covers any of the same ones as Ryan does, I've got, I've, I've got, I like stables that have got nice structure. So you have a definitive leader, you have a definitive tag team, and then you have a another guy. So in mine, um, you'd go with uh, the leader being Drew McIntyre. Um, okay. It's kind of that world champion flair role. We'd have a tag team um, of Pete Dunne and um, Jack Gallagher in his new sort of vicious, angry, short. But deadly killer I think those to be a right pair of vicious little heels that could put a good tag team and then we'd have the muscle in the background would be Killian Dane okay I like it um Killian are we are you specifically making that a, an attempt at a British thing because yes. I think Killian Dane's Irish no he's, he's Northern but, Irish isn't he oh is, is he Northern Irish okay fair, I think fair he's from play. Belfast Okay, fair play if that uh, that kind of works then. Um, a real united front from uh, uh, at least uh, three of the uh, four countries of the union. Um, I, I certainly was thinking uh, of your Pete Dunns um, and uh, Tyler Bates and, and, and that of the world because to me, if you're ever going to do it, what a good time to do it in conjunction with the... If you're going to try and start something up as a WWE tournament, whether it's a, an annual tournament or... Or however they end up doing their UK brand um, to have a UK group and I liked the uh, the idea of having Regal and Barrett involved as, I, I think what your one lacks is the uh, is the established star I think sometimes you need to have someone that's a bit more established and I think Barrett coming back to put it together would be a really nice touch because Barrett has um you know, he has the, the kudos of been having been the Nexus leader. And, you know, Barrett has history of being a leader of a group. And I'd love to see him... So it's almost like reforming the Nexus. You wouldn't say that. You know, but he would say, you know, I've gone to my country, I've gone to my kith and kin, I've gone to Britain, and I've brought in whoever. And another name that, you know, jumps to my mind, you know, I don't know what, exactly what his, you know, situation is these days in terms of how free he is, what interest there would be, but um, were... Were he to come in, Barrett, I'd love to see. I'd love to see him bring Nick Aldis with him. You know, Ooh, I, yeah. think, I think Nick would be absolutely perfect as the Batista of the group. You know, the one that you're bringing in. You know, as a secondary level guy, but Nick's a good talker. He looks fantastic. Um, you know, he's a much better wrestler than when he first burst on the scene. And it'll be interesting the, the crossover because you know we're talking about WWE having never done a, a British stable before. TNA, of course, have. Um, you know, with, in the British invasion with yep. Nick and Doug and, and Rob Terry, uh, and that had a certain amount of um, of success. And here's the thing: they come here twice a year. Um, you know, even if it was just on the British shows, you you could 
really, really, I think you would sell some tickets based off of the fact that in some of your local markets, your Don Gallagher team is getting a tag team title shot. And on the, the raw taping, you know, that Barrett was going to get an, an IC title shot or whatever it may be. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of mileage in that, you know, some form of that. And it's really very, very simple. It's it's your, it's a little bit route one in terms of, oh, they're from the same country, therefore they'll have the same, um, you know, ideas in mind. But Barrett and Nick in particular are, are skilled enough talkers that they can really come in and say, we are sick. Look, like, they can, look what you made, Gallagher. You know, he comes in one of the most talented wrestlers in the world and you make him be the proper Englishman drinking tea and all this kind of thing. Look what you did with Regal years ago. You know, we're here to prove blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you could have that chip on your shoulder element, couldn't you? Um, uh, the beauty for me is that we can have this conversation about a British faction and there are multiple, multiple different options of guys you could use both inside and outside of WWE. Uh, almost endless combinations of possibilities. Whereas if we'd have had this chat five years ago, you probably could have, you know, you'd have struggled to name a credible four, don't you think? I actually, yeah. I've, oh, God, yeah. And what I really like, actually, is that thinking about your your names, I just mentioned about some of the ones in the, uh, the UK tournament. Actually, maybe it would be better if they stood up for WWE. What if you had... Um, what if you had Barrett come in with Aldis and say obviously contract situations would need to be right but if they came in with say Zack Sabre Jr. and Marty Skrull mm-hmm. you know the leaders of the, the um, what were they called the leaders of the New School uh, New School sorry about that um, but I love the pair of them I think they were a great team um, great opponents I remember them seeing them wrestle on the first Progress show and it was a wonderful match I'm a huge fan um, of both Marty and Zach. Marty actually Mayfield is a bit of a step back, being um, you know a down the card in a in a group of wrestlers, um, you know that's uh, that's going to be a proper, possibly a short term faction, given how well he's doing with the Bullet Club. Um, but I could absolutely see Barrett, Aldis, Skrull, and Sabre as a really quality four wrestlers, talkers, big guys. You know, I think mostly friends in there as well. I think they would all know each other pretty darn well. I know that um, Marty and Nick are very good pals, and um, obviously Zach and Marty have got history. I think that's a lovely group, and I quite like the idea of Regal leading a group of, say, McIntyre, Bate, Dunn, and Seven or something, saying, "No, we disagree with your rhetoric." You, you know. You're coming in here giving it anti this and whatever. We're Brits as well, and we actually disagree. And you can have just for the hell of it, just have a a big old mighty Brits v Brits scrap. And that might be must be a bit a bit self indulgent, but um, wouldn't that be a load of fun? Um, well, it'd be great to see uh, one of these sort of British factions come in and face the the guys from Undisputed. The is it the Undisputed era? So the Cole Fish and O'Reilly after the finish with the War Games. You could easily, you know, wouldn't it be great to see those three up against Mustache Mountain? Um, and it's always already kind of been teased, or when they first made their debut, it'd be a very easy, very easy um, story to tell that, and it would be great to see on the bigger stage. And as you said, the key here is that it can be done. Yep. You know, and I'm sure there's people that we've left out that would be, you know, perfectly credible. You've got Noam sitting there not doing very much in the. Uh, in the cruiserweight, so you know I left Gallagher out of my reckoning. Um, but it's, 
you know, there and there are others. You mentioned Killian Day. That's a great shout because, um, you know, I really enjoyed his performance at the at the Rumble, um, and, and not the Rumble at the Mania in the Battle Royal. And uh, I'm surprised they've not taken that further. Um, plus other great talents that are, you know, constantly knocking around our our shores. So um, it's it's a real possibility, I think, if someone wanted to get that, you know, the bull by the horns and get the right people in and uh, and have some fun with it. Um, Aside from uh, those suggestions, was there any other ones that uh, perhaps slightly more realistically that came to your mind? Because we are taking a bit of a flight of fancy here. Well, um, I'm going to just be a bit indulgent for a second. And I always had this dream of a stable probably 10 years ago, um, essentially led by MVP. And it was you, you never watched Entourage, presumably, but I did. Um, and I really loved that whole sort of entitled film star, entitled young athlete thing that was personified by quite a few NFL players like your, uh, again, you would you maybe not heard of Terrell Owens, but it's, you know, 10 years ago it was NFL players, but now you could just as easily say it's a Premier League players. You could look at Lukaku and Pogba and um, Harry Kane and Deli Alley and, you know, many others. Um, and you could say and Rooney maybe back in the day and you could say these entitled young guys um, and I would I would love to have seen a, a, a stable I had this really wacky idea um, of a stable headed by MVP with um, Shelton Benjamin and Mark Henry um, and who else did I want in there as well can't remember the fourth guy but then I'd have Colt Cabana as their lackey who'd be playing like the turtle role from Entourage again if anyone watched Entourage turtle was the kind of the driver the gopher for the group um, and so you'd have this bunch of brash guys essentially it was an extension of MVP's gimmick but bringing in Mark Henry as like his bodyguard and Shelton as like his flashy friend um, and I thought it would have been really cool to do back in the day I thought it would have been excellent but it never, never, never got off the ground uh, I would like to take an extension um of what's happened this week for my proposal uh-huh. um, which is that you, I think you could make Kevin Owens into a halfway house character between CM Punk and Bray Wyatt and you could so say that not quite the cult leader Wyatt thing and not quite the kind of um, straight edge society punk thing but somewhere in between put a title on, on Zane you know, a, a, an under an under title on Zane, and and have or, and have Owen say, "Look, this is what I can do for people." You know, I've been telling you over and over again, you're going wrong, you're going wrong. You need to listen to me, and you know, and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to you know bring some people and I am going to straighten them out, and they're going to listen to me and they're going to realise I'm talking sense. And the first two people that jump to my well, first the first one that jumps to my mind because to me these stables need to be pulling people in that aren't doing anything as a single that's of any relevance but hopefully spitting them out a year 18 months two years down the line as a star and the person to me in the whole of WWE that needs that doing to them is Luke Harper oh yeah nice and I want I want Luke Harper with Kevin Owens and he's he's Owen's, you know, lackey, as if you want to put it, muscle, you know, call it what you will. But I love the idea of Owen's being. I won't. I don't want it to be like mafia, but I can almost see there being, you know, Owen's is the don, and 
you know, where Harper's one of the sort of the big muscle guys and Zane is one of the little weasels. You know, you sort of have that, those tropes, don't you, in the sort of in those kind of mafia sorts of films. I don't really have a fourth. Um, I want to. I would add four. I, I think four is a better number. Um, what about Zack Ryder? No, I don't. I don't think he's any good. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I want. I want. I want to be elevating people. I want all of these people to become top guys. I, I part. I want to say Dolph Ziggler, but I think he's run out of chances. Yeah, I and agree. I, and I think he's run out of credibility in the fans' eyes. I think it needs to be someone, you know, that's still got, um, you know, an, an element of surprise in them, maybe. Um, may, maybe Alistair Black? Here's a bit of an off-the-wall suggestion for you. I like the idea. What about a, a completely confident shot Rusev? So he's shaved his head, he realises he can't get ahead and Owens picks him up when he's at his lowest ebb and brings him into the fold and has him doing his bidding and all along we know that this powerful great athlete Rusev shouldn't be taking orders from Kevin Owens and you trundle that along for a period of time until Rusev gets his confidence back and strikes back and, and overcomes Owens and breaks out as a main of, as a high level face yeah I don't mind that I don't mind that I'd have that in the conversation I'm think, just thinking into NXT. I could see, I could see Alistair Black working um, as being someone that uh, that we're that we're raising up. I could also see Tomasa Champa working um, as being people that I would. I'm, I'm thinking of people that I would like to see in a much Ooh. higher place in three years' here's, time. Here's one. Um, again, I suppose a bit of reality based. If you're talking about guys that have lost their way and need bringing back into the uh, into the mainstream, what about Kenta? Maybe, maybe. It doesn't. It, it doesn't strike me. But I don't, I'm not anti that necessarily. I think Kent is a bit. I think he's a bit miscast anyway. I see Kent as being a. From what I've seen of him in, in a WWE ring, I see him as being a pretty good mid card babyface. And them, them trying to make him a bit dark and brooding, to me, hasn't worked. Although I, I love the hell out of his match with uh, with Bobby Roode at the, the takeover they did. But um. Mm. um I could, yeah, maybe. He could be one of the, um, he could be one of the ones that they try and recruit, and then he fights against them. Possibly he could be like maybe. a, sort of like a Luger or someone that's with them briefly and then shuns it. You know, like the, the Horsemen used to have that. Um, you know, the, those people that were briefly with them and then they became sort of perennial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Op- opponents uh, to them. So anyway, that, that's the. They were the ones that struck me, but particularly. I mean, I'm talking about coming up with a new faction, and really all I've done is add Harper to um, to Owen and Zayn. <laughs> but, but Harper, Harper for one, and then maybe one of Champa or Black or or someone similar, just to make it a four. But I like the idea of of Owens to begin with saying, you know, look at me, I'm going to make these guys. And then the secondary step is what a smug bastard he is because he has started to make them champions. And then the third step is they are protecting him because he's the champion. And then the fourth step is, shit, now they're coming to get me. And that's a, that was something that they did really, really well with Triple H and Evolution. Absolutely. You know, which was they worked out, you know, uh-oh, Orton's a threat, kill him. Um, and then obviously, then they wanted Batista on their side and he did the big thumbs down. I, 
I think Evolution is kind of quietly forgotten as being as good a faction as there's ever been. No, I fully agree. Because it's not just about pratting around like DX did or, you know, because even the Shield... I mean, the Shield was great for a time and the Shield matches were good and I would argue that the best thing the Shield ever did was the Shield made Daniel Bryan. You know, the matches that Shield were having against Kane, Bryan and one other were wonderful and that's where Bryan's, you know, popularity, I think, surged um, with having those three as his opposite opponents. Um, but I, I still think the Shield's breakup was... It was a moment and it made Rollins, but, you know, I don't think it necessarily had the... You know, I don't think... I know he's been top champion, but I don't think Ambrose has ever been in a better position than when he was in the group. And the fact that we're going back to the group is more of a worry you know, on what they've done with everybody. Have they really made them all? You know, Rollins did have a good, good, good period on top as a heel with Triple H. But I don't think Ambrose has ever been better than when he was in the Shield. And we all know the Reigns story. So I wouldn't argue that the Shield has been a long-term success. It's not a failure, but I don't think it's been a long-term success. Whereas I would argue that DX... You know, it's a really good example of one that was because it made Triple H and it, and it made the Outlaws to an extent. It made China. You know, and X Pac was a you know a decent hand for a long time. Everyone that was involved with DX was made by it, and everyone that was involved with Evolution was made by it. And I just think I'm not certain that the Shield ever really. You know, I think you're being but... very harsh there, to be honest. I think that you know, they did really well in Elevate and Brian, but the best thing the Shield ever did was make. Well, let's. I tell you what. Let's let's say, I don't like the concept of always everything having to make something else. The best thing the Shield ever did was be the Shield and be phenomenal and be excellent and be a great, ta- a great stable tag team faction, whatever you want to call them, for nigh on three years. That's the best thing the Shield ever did great matches all the time but they've made three top stars out of it you know one way or another Rollins Ambrose and Reigns are absolute linchpins of WWE three stars that just weren't there before there was I can't remember the numbers but there was some crazy statistic that for about 18 months there wasn't a pay-per-view without one of those three in a title match um and this I just think the Shield are a great example of what you're just talking about about having a stable just disband at the right time and the height of their popularity to really mean something but you, you you're more right on evolution that was that was such a good run they had they were again they were great as a stable but the way it all fizzled out now i know it probably wasn't the um the initial plan but how it worked out where they had like you say randy orton sort of rebelling and then they quashed that but the consequences of quashing that Randy Orton rebellion was Batista going, oh, hang on. He nearly did that. Now there's one less guy in the group. I'm a better wrestler than Orton. Oh, hang on, I can do this too. And then that led to the, the big angle, which was obviously Triple H Batista, which was the real money angle. Um, and they were off to the races from there. And I think that is still down as one of the best angles ever. Hands down. So because. It just it made it made Batista for a very very long time. Yeah. He to- he topped himself up with some good matches with Taker, but generally speaking, he did some bloody average stuff. Batista once he got on the top, but because they'd made him in the right way with Triple H, people were begging for that turn, absolutely begging, palm of my hand, please turn, please turn, please turn, and then he did. Yes, it was such a great moment. It was patient. 
it was patient it was well planned it was well executed and I, it's easy to forget just how over Batista was after he beat Triple H for that title he was as over as anyone I've ever seen not called Stone Cold The Rock or Hulk Hogan he was just for a, quite a short period of time that, that molten heat died yeah. relatively quickly but for a, couple, a month or so he was like he, John Cena was in his slipstream yeah he was he was the top man there for a short period of time and and I always say this is whenever anyone wants to have a dig at Triple H oh he buries people blah 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 okay yeah I'm sure over periods of time he said the wrong things about the wrong people and it's not particularly helped to you know a CM Punk or a Chris Masters or a, you know whoever, whoever but Triple H essentially I think him and him and Mick probably kind of made one another but you know he at different points has helped to make Mick Foley um, he absolutely made Jeff Hardy for me yep then the whole stuff he did with Jeff on Smackdown I thought was completely designed to put Jeff over for the first time anyone had really done it not a flash in the pan and it worked um, I think he absolutely made Batista as we're talking about there and I think and I'm sure there'll be other examples that have not you know not flying into the forefront of my mind but you know I mean, he's you know he, he's played a part on in Daniel Bryan Seth Rollins you know there have been lots and lots and lots of examples okay for every one of those there's a Jericho where you go well did he hold him back more than he actually helped him there so I get that, but I still think Triple H's success rate, generally on the whole, is uh, is pretty damn fine. But you're absolutely right, and and I suppose to his credit, the ones that he did make, boy oh boy, were they made. Oh yeah, yeah for sure, and for and forever, you know that's the point. It got them believably into that top echelon, which again is the trick that's been missed with Jinder, and it's like you can't just make someone a champion and say they're the champion. No, it doesn't work that way. It needs to be positioning over a period of time that makes you believe it. Not, you know, if they if they decided, oh, we should make Jinder the champ, you know, you should have had six months of getting better. Yeah. Of win of winning of building the character of winning a secondary title of winning a a a, a battle royal at the WrestleMania of winning a King of the Ring of you know some sort of thing on on the way because unless you're Braun Strowman, you know, and you've got the physical height or the you know the physical intimidation factor of just battering people you know Jinder has been a, a jobbing joke you know how can you suddenly get good enough to win a title how can you even be in the position to have a chance to win a title and that's as much as the problem as anything because he wasn't positioned in such a way that you believe that with JBL as we talked about earlier on they changed the character you know they had some believability about him but Jinder you just went really? Mm. but had they put six months into it you sort of get the feeling that it might have had at least more of a chance. I'm not saying it would have been any good still, but you know, you've had more to it. And certainly with people like um you know, your Batistas of the world, you know, they were not you know, he started as Deacon Batista with Reverend Devon. Yeah. Jesus, talk about a low point to start from. <laughs> but you know, they worked on it and they found the position with evolution and they realised they were onto something and it was you know, I think he got injured, didn't he? And he was out for a long time, and then he came back. But um, you know, it was probably a good two and a half to three years from when they first went. This is where we're going to put him. To this is where we can get him at WrestleMania. And you know, sometimes it, it needs that bit of patience, which we're not convinced that they have. No, no, sadly lacking, unfortunately. Um, yes, excellent. Um, before we wrap up, um, because I think we're pretty much there, unless you have any uh, 
further thoughts that you'd like to throw in on uh, on any matter. Um, is this more matter of what we uh, what we're referring to, what Paul is referring to, as the sheep quiz? Uh, and no, that is not name the breed uh, on the face mask of Eric Rowan. Um, it is to um, to join in our quiz um, with a slight difference. Do you want to explain the sheep quiz? Yes, I do. So the sheep quiz is something that's been running um, on the forum that I go to for quite some time. Essentially, it's the reverse pointless or the rever- or family fortune sort of format. The idea is to answer 10 questions and they're opinion-based questions not fact-based questions but the idea is to answer these 10 questions not with the opinions that you hold but with the opinions that in your belief the majority will hold um so and the more you are correct in that assertion the uh the more points you get so for instance if i was to say to you um what is the best um SummerSlam main event of all time um and you thought okay i think the majority will believe that that match is bulldog against bret hart Mm -hmm. let's say out of the however many players let's say 25 people agreed with you so you have 26 people in total saying that was the best then every person who nominated that would get 26 points and let's say um five people said it was the fatal four away from this year five those five people would all get five points for that question so on and so forth and the idea is to get as many points at the end of the quiz as possible by giving the opinion that you think the majority will hold not necessarily your opinion that's exactly the point yeah so for example i think i'd be tempted to say that the best ever SummerSlam main event um i'd be tempted to go with um daniel bryan versus john cena mm-hmm. um but I don't think that's what the people would say. I think the people would be more likely to say Bretton Bulldog, as you point out. So you are not going... You are putting your um, your ego at home. If you sneakily think the best SummerSlam main event ever was the main event of SummerSlam, you know, 1989, and it was this, and everyone's forgotten it, but if everyone went back and watched it on the network, they'd realise, no, nah, no good. No points for being um, a little bit niche. No points for being clever and hipster and, you know, different about it. Um, if it was... Uh, let's say an opinion about football um, and it was who's the best footballer in the world and actually you thought it's a Borussia Dortmund centre back that no one's yet seen (laughs) don't start with that pick Messi pick Ronaldo get the points that's what you need to be doing and so it's like think about what the people are going to say as opposed to what uh, your sneaky views may be Um, do you want to just last time we went through a couple from a, a previous quiz do you have them the hand do you want to fire a couple yep. at me for those yep let's fire a few at you so i'm going from a couple from the back end of last year so the first one is what is the greatest year for wrestling in wwf slash wwe overall not just matches and match quality is the most entertaining year of all time wow that's a, that's a really excellent example of the uh of the question if the um the only two sheep involved were uh me and you then i would very confidently say uh the year 2000 because I know that it's both of our favourite years uh, in wrestling um, I think that would be quite up there I think that would be quite high up there but um, I think oh wow it's, it's in wrestling isn't it so you just wonder if would people think about the sort of the rise of the NWO would be in 96 would they think about maybe NWO still firing well in 97 of course that's when you've got Bretton Steve and it's when you've got the uh, Heart Foundation stuff the rise of DX I think it's a very, very hard question to answer. Um, 
all of the Austin, most of the Austin McMahon stuff was 98, and that's the biggest drawing ever. So I'd be tempted. I'd probably with the people. I'd probably say 1998 because that's rock because that's Austin McMahon, Rise of the Rock, etc. But well, I I'd want to say 2000, but I'll go with 98. Well, let me just see how many players are placed on 21. 23, 20, 26 players in this particular example. And you'd have actually been right in this instance to go with your first instinct. The overwhelming winner was 2000. Oh, really? Oh, so people were with me, okay. Yeah, there were the 15 of the uh, of the contributors said 2000, 6 said 2001, um, 2 each for 97 and 98, and then a single one for 2002. Oh, wow, so I'd have only got a couple of points for that. See, that's what it's, it's all about knowing the people here, guys. You know, if you listened to this last week, um, you'd have known that I did this a couple of times, and uh, a couple of times I nailed it, and a couple of times I was hideously off trying <laughs> to guess what people want. So it is not. See, if I'd have stuck with my that's a bit of a double bluff there. If I'd have stuck with my opinion, I actually would have uh, would have been okay. Um, any any more? That's a really great example because that's a there is no correct answer to that. It's all about opinion, um, but you're trying to get the. Uh, the opinion of what other people would be thinking there's no correct answer and also like i say if people misinterpret the question and give an answer that is not correct that goes down as well they won't yeah. get any, they won't really get any points for it but it goes out so let's say if i go back to that example what is the best year for uh, sorry best summer slam main event and you said the answer is hulk hogan against um ray mysterio because you thought you thought for whatever reason the question said what would be the best SummerSlam main event rather than yeah. it was and you said Hogan Mysterio you'd get a point for it but it would probably be a solitary point unless someone made the same mistake and had the same opinion <laughs> so it would count I'm not going to ask you to wouldn't ask you to redo them but um, you're not you're not getting a, a sheep answer with that one so let's just go here's the other point here's the other point I want to make make just here is that um, we subscribe to the, um, the the progress wrestling way of thinking which frankly is don't be a dick. So if we say <laughs> if we say to you who on the current roster, you know, if you had to if you had to put someone from the current roster um, into the Hall of Fame next year, who would it be? You know, then your correct decision is to talk about people like CM Punk, not CM Punk. What about? <laughs> You'd be talking about people like John Cena and Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. If you put Mojo Rawley, we'll just go, no, mate, you're disqualified because it's just, just don't be a dick, because you know, that's clearly not what you think, and it's, it's also not what you think other people will think. Well, Even if you think Mojo Rawley's the greatest on earth, you clearly know that other people don't think that. So just don't be a dick about things and ruin it, because one of the 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 hallmarks of this kind of quiz is relying on everyone playing the game. I think so. Well, I'll slight. I will slightly um, say. I'll slightly contradict you there, mate. Because if someone went through and did all, that, it wouldn't really affect the game much anyway. Because they're all going to get just one point for every answer. They'd just be at the bottom and really affect anybody else. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. It's just. There's no point in bothering. It's just. It's no, a real. No, there's no point in bothering. It's a real. Just gr- grow up. It's like the people that listen. I work at a football club. And I have worked at a football club during two periods where we have had no manager and people have been applying for a managership. Those people that write in thinking they're really <laughs> funny because they put, I did really well on championship manager. And it's like, their mates might think that's hilarious, but trust me, we got hundreds of them. And none of them were interesting. None of them were funny. None of them were original. And it was like, just grow up. It was a, that, was probably, that was funny once, 10, 15 years ago, when someone first had the idea. It's not funny anymore, and everyone does it, and it's like, yeah, okay, mate. And 
that's what I would say about this. If you think it's hilarious just to enter a poll, just to say stupid answers, we're going to go, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you're right. The only thing that really truly ruins this game is conversing about the answers in public beforehand, because it just influences people. So what I'll do is, I'm zero tolerance on this. If anyone tries to do that, I'll tell them politely that they shouldn't and delete the posts. If they carry on doing it, they'll just get banned from the hooked yeah. on page. Um, so it's just it's not it's just not worth it, folks. And the the, the questions that we're doing that we're talking about on air uh, are not the actual questions themselves. No, we're just no, give, we're giving questions. you some we're giving you some examples of previous ones that I've not heard before. Um, so we're just we're just playing the game just as a, a little bit of a trial run. Well, without further ado, let's go with another one. Um, so question two: Who would induct Chris Jericho into the Hall of Fame if he was to be inducted tomorrow? Oh, I love that! What a great question. Um, so you're talking... Did you say that you did this at least in the back end of last October. year? October. Okay. Uh, from last year. So, exactly. A year actually, ago. I actually don't think that's made... I mean, you could maybe now make a case for, for Owens, I suppose. Um, but WWE probably still wouldn't go too far down the other route with that because they've had the turn. So I don't think that really plays into it. Uh, who do people associate with Jericho? See, people might associate Christian with Jericho. Um, they would associate um, Edge, maybe, as a fellow Canadian, Brett as well. I, I, I'm going to go Sean. Um, I'm going to go for Sean Michaels because people would just think about that, you know, fantastic um, Michaels versus Jericho run. Although I will say that the part of the back of my mind is thinking about Jericho's debut and thinking that The Rock would be a good candidate as well. But I'm going to go with Sean because I think people, when you think about Jericho's matches, you think about Sean Michaels. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Sean. Okay. Well, if you were the 27th entrant in this particular competition, you would have got five points for that. Um, okay. Sean Mike, you had four choosing Sean Michaels. The fairly overwhelming winner, uh, the one I went with, was Lance Storm. Right. Perfect example, everyone about how people can get this massively wrong um, but they, you can still get the points for it that's ludicrous there's no way in the world that Lance Storm would, Lance Storm is a very very intelligent man who's got a very fun podcast but the WWE have, have never thought anything of they would never ever put him in a position <laughs> as grandiose as that when they've got the someone like the fucking Rock to do it or Shawn Michaels to do it there's no way Lance Storm gets to do that right so that's bollocks so how, how many people how many people said how many people said that? Twelve of us. Twelve of Drivel. us. Drivel. Right. Twelve well, idiots. Twelve stupid get, idiots. Depends but, who gets to pick their inductor. Well, possibly, but it's twelve idiots. But the point is, <laughs> there are twelve idiots with seven more points than me. So well, this is this this is this is a thing, everyone. You've got to work out who the idiots are. I'm hoping you get this one right, Rob, because I don't want another strop quite like that. Um, but going back to the year two thousand theme. The third question, we'll do two more. Um, what was the best pay-per-view of the year 2000? Right, this relies on me remembering 2000. There's one that jumped to my mind immediately, but again, that's me. Um, what, I, what I will say, guys, and Rob's not going to have the time to do it on air, but if you've got the time, it really behooves you to do some research on this. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Um, right, I, I think it's SummerSlam 2000. I think that's the best best pay-per-view of the year in, um, in 2000 that comes to my mind however uh, I am going to give to you as my answer 
the Royal Rumble 2000 because I think people are going to remember the Triple H and Cactus Jack Street Fight. They're going to remember the Jeff Hardy, um, uh, sorry, the Hardy Boys, Duddy Boys tables match. They're going to remember Terry Runnels' bikini. Um, They're going to remember the debut of Taz. Um, I would mark that one down because I don't think it's a very good rumble. Um, But again, this is not what I think, it's what others think. So I'm going to say the people would say Royal Rumble 2000. Well, mate, I was with you on saying the Royal Rumble 2000, and I wrote this very confidently. We were wrong. We were wrong. Um, The winner with 11 of the 26 votes was actually Backlash. Backlash is where Austin came back, isn't it? That's, That's right. The, um... so it, was, it was a very good Rock Triple H match. You had yeah. you had that Dean Malenko versus Scotty Too Hotty match that people rate as the sort of the biggest, best underrated match of all time. Um, there was a hardcore six-man match. I can't see why it won. Um, but hey, that's the thing, isn't it? It was. Uh, but actually, but what, how many how many points did you say? Eleven. So it wasn't 11. a massively overwhelming winner. So those last two questions, your landstorm and your backlash, you're getting eleven points, twelve points. So it doesn't make you're not getting it right or wrong. You're not getting a point for getting it right and nothing for getting it wrong. You're getting eleven for agreeing with ten other folk. But if there's an overwhelming one which you've gone with, then you're getting a higher point score. So it's always worth bearing in mind. So even if you get one wrong, how many did I get for saying Royal Rumble 2000? You would have got uh, seven for that one. So, so I've only lost that, out on four. I've only lost point. out on four. So on some questions, you can drop an absolute bollock and there's one really, really obvious answer. And let, let's say there's 25 people playing. 24 of them might say Backlash and you say Royal Rumble you've screwed it then because you've lost a massive deficit to so many people and you'll really struggle to make that up but there'll be, there'll be other examples where maybe someone maybe 12 people said Royal Rumble and 11 people said Backlash or even 12 yeah. and 12 so it's not always you know to, to miss out on the very most popular answer if there's a small margin it's far from terminal um, and throughout the years I've played this competition there aren't that many examples of people getting every single one um, the most popular question uh, most popular answer for each one I've done it twice um, and I think I've, with that I've done it more than anybody else so it's not it's not easy to get everything right um, what else did people say for that answer so you had um, yes yeah, so you had Backlash Royal Rumble SummerSlam with five Fully Loaded with three I would have said Fully Loaded would have been better than everything other than Royal Rumble and SummerSlam myself what was the um, Fully Loaded it was the one there that triple main event it was Benoit Rock then they had Taker Angle and they had Aust- um, Jericho in a last man standing against Triple H oh wow I don't I don't particularly remember that it sounds ace it was very I don't good I massively remember that I yeah. remember Judgment Day Judgment Day being very good that was when they had the um, uh, the Iron Man match wasn't it between, I, I still That's think right. one of the two best Iron Man matches the ones that always get talked well the one that always gets talked about is Bret and Sean but I've always maintained that my favourite two Iron Man matches are Brock and Angle and Triple H and Rock from Fully Judgment agree. Day 2000. Fully agree. So we'll do we'll do one more. Do one more. Um, do one more. Uh, oh, I'll skip that one because it's very much of its time, so I won't do that. Um, okay, here's a cool one. Um, what is John Cena's greatest WWE match? Uh, I think this is going to be one where I'm going to I'm going to join the people uh, very much like Lenin um, but not in a not in a revolution but in a uh, in a correct answer um, I'm going to join the people I'm going to join Dave Meltzer 
who gave it five stars. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say John Cena versus CM Punk. This has turned into a little bit of our, um, uh, like our WrestleMania um, mixtape, picking picking matches. Uh, That's but, a bit, uh, really. Uh, John Cena versus um, CM Punk from yep. the uh, from the Money in the Bank in when was it 2009 2011 Eight. 2011 um, and you are in the overwhelming majority of that out of the 26 20 agreed with you on that one um, and then we had a couple of votes for what I would maybe think would be your actual pick um, which was the match in London against Shawn Michaels that was really good that would be that would be top f- this is the kind of category you can't wrestle. I tell you what, if you really sat here, you, you'd come up with a busting top ten. Well, just look at what seeing. everybody else has gone for. So so you had two for that match, You had, and then the rest are all one-point answers. You've got the uh, Daniel Bryan SummerSlam match that you mentioned a few minutes ago. Wonderful um, match. CM Punk at SummerSlam. Um, I'm surprised no one mentioned that CM Punk match on Raw, actually. That was a favourite match. I thought it was better oh, than the yeah, SummerSlam match. Oh, yeah, that was really... I thought yeah, it was I agree with that, yeah. light years better than the SummerSlam match, but maybe not quite yeah. as good as Money in the Bank. Um then you got Rock at WrestleMania 28, um, yeah. and Umaga in the last man standing match at Royal Rumble 2007. Don't remember that at all. It was um, very good, very very good. Uh, no one's mentioned any of his matches with Edge. Nope. Which no, you, no. There was some really really terrific Edge matches in there with uh, with Cena, um, Cena and Kurt in the early days had some uh, had a couple of good matches. Um, there'll be plenty uh, plenty to include. Cena and Triple H have had some very good matches. Um, it, it, you you do realise just how many really great things are on his um, uh, are on his what do you call it on his um, highlight reel. But yeah, I think I think the punk one was it really captured people. First and foremost with these kind of things is that if if on the sheep quiz that you asked what's the best moment of Jimmy Snooker's career, the sheep answer would be coming off the cage against Don Morocco. Because WWE have pushed it and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it, and Mick Foley has talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. It's almost certainly not the best moment of Jimmy Snooker's career. Most of the people participating wouldn't be old enough to remember the best parts of Jimmy Snooker's career. But it's because you've been told it again and again and again and again, then that's what you're going to end up going with. Um, so partly it's getting into it's getting into the the mindset of who is going to be answering this but every now and again you get the, the, the double up I do think it's the the, 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 the CM Punk match I, I really do it was absolutely perfect the build the match sublime the crowd the lot it was a real perfect storm and I think it's the moment where Cena started to win people back Agreed. I think up until that point Cena was the you can't wrestle guy and to some stubborn pricks he still is but and I've always said that there is a difference but there are some people that say you can't wrestle and there are some people that have complained about the heel turn and the character and they are different and I'm not lumping you all in together don't worry but the tide turned with that match that was when people went I might not like the guy I might be fed up with his character I might not like hustle loyalty and respect but he can go and I, and I think that's when people started to really get him so um, it was just a wonderful match but it was also so iconic and it sits with that whole summer of punk that they tried to do in, you know, WWE to follow the, what they did in Ring of Honor, and it was the whole pipe bomb promo, etc. So I think that was all very much of a of a moment in time, wasn't it? So definitely, um, that's how I think you come to that answer. Hey, just uh, just going through the rest of these questions, I'll, I won't dwell on them, but just very quickly. Bear in mind, this is in October 2016. There was one question that said, um, 
who will be the universal champion going into WrestleMania 33? Fair to say none of us said Goldberg. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that came slightly by surprise. Kevin Owens was the overwhelming choice on that one, and we were very close, weren't we? Um, just a month out. But the last question I'm going to give you, Rob, I wasn't going to give you any more, but it's re- one of my favourite ones ever. So I'm going to throw it out there. Um, question 10 in, the, in this particular quiz. What would currently be the best feud not just match quality but overall feud between two now deceased wrestlers crikey say, say that to me again what would be the best overall feud between two now deceased wrestlers so this is something that actually happened no 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 something that if you could put any two dead wrestlers together in a feud what would be that best feud wow Mm. And I've got to come up with what the people would say. Uh, yes. What would the people's opinion on the two best? It's quite. Do you know what? It's quite a long. Shall I just tell you what the people have said? It's quite a long. I, I, I want to have an answer quick. I'll, I'll, I will be quick. I won't dwell. Um, and it will have to be my answer rather than what the people would. I can't for the life of me sure. think of what the people would say. When was this? This was from about a year ago. Was yeah. Oh God. I mean. I, I just I just can't get my head into what the people would say, but I'm going to give you two Go on. Um, that jump into my mind. Uh, I'd love to have seen Macho Man versus Eddie Guerrero. You've got it spot on, mate. Uh, I really? Simi- yeah, I similarly... I remember this answer jumped straight into my head as well um, in seconds, and 17 people said the same thing. Eddie Guerrero... Well, my, o- my, other one, my other one, people may actually have... It actually may have happened because they would have crossed over in WCW, but... My second one was um, was Kurt Hennig and Chris Benoit. They were the, they were the next two that came into my brain. But but Savage and Eddie just two just iconic. I think there's no um, competition characters between yeah. between those two feuds. Remember overall feuds. Um, there is there's a clear distance between the two you just mentioned in my eyes. And I loved Hennig um, and I loved Benoit as a wrestler, um, but neither as much as Guerrero and Savage. And those two would have just been outrageously entertaining. So, yeah, that was, yeah, overwhelming choice. The coming up uh, a long way short were Dusty Rhodes versus Randy Savage, um, Dusty Rhodes versus Roddy Piper. Dusty Ed- Rhodes versus Randy Savage isn't a very good one because that, that clearly could have happened. Well, it doesn't matter whether they could have happened. And, and in fact, did, and did, did ha- in fact, it did yeah, happen. What am I talking matter. about? They wrestled. Didn't they wrestle bloody WrestleMania? Yeah, they were in a mixed tag team match. It doesn't matter if that, if you think that'd be the best feud. Um, the yeah. next one's Rose against Piper. There's another one here that's already happened. That's Guerrero against Chris Benoit. Um, uh, another option was Guerrero against um, Misawa. Um, Eddie Guerrero against Roddy Piper. I don't think people have understood the question. That's a good one. Um, I don't think some people haven't understood the question. You can't. You maybe. can't answer that. Guerrero Benoit who feuded in about five different companies well, over and over and over again Savage Warrior was another answer and then finally <laughs> Savage Warrior which <laughs> was a massive match at Wrestlemania and SummerSlam <laughs> and then finally Rick Rude against Eddie Guerrero yeah, okay fine but so, um, yeah that's a that's a that's a strange old question because I suspect that a few people haven't necessarily in fact the first thing I said didn't I I thought you meant one that had actually happened yes and yeah. it wasn't until you it wasn't until you explained the question to me so maybe I'm a bit, a bit harsh on people there because well, I instinctively what? was trying to think of you know one from bygone era that had, had actually happened well what I've tried to do is be as clear and as absolutely on the nail as possible in the questions 
Um, and it obviously encouraging people if they don't understand if they've got a question about a question flag it up and I will clarify um, if you don't want to ask the question and you're not sure just answer anyway and see where the see where the land lies but oh, yeah right. everybody has got a very good idea what we're doing I hope that wasn't just us for explaining rules of a competition for 25 minutes I hope there was some entertainment value from those questions and maybe you had your own opinions as well while we were doing it yeah most certainly um, and the a quick little go over of the questions that, that we're actually doing. I won't do all of them and we certainly won't discuss them because we're not going to uh, precondition you but just a, a, a selection of three or four that are in this month's uh, ten um, and a question we've all we've all talked about we probably talked about it a lot in the uh, in the build up on the first um, few months of this show but what is the greatest Wrestlemania of all time uh, is one of the questions who is the least deserving member on the WWE Hall of Fame uh, what's the best ever money in the bank cash in who would induct the British Bulldog into the Hall of Fame who would win if Brawl for All took place now uh, not including Brock Lesnar and uh, very timely what's the best traditional Survivor Series match of all time all of those questions and several others are in this week's sheep quiz uh, this month's sheep quiz I should say we are not going to be discussing them uh, on the show until the, uh, the closing date uh, at which time We'll go through all the questions and we'll have some fun with them. And Paul's going to do a uh, a Facebook Live or similar when the uh, the the announcement is made about the uh, the winners. And we're going to have some uh, some fun with the competition. But um, until then, we want you to go away, have a think, come up with your best answers. I actually haven't submitted my answers yet, so uh, uh, I need to uh, to do that in the next uh, couple of days. Um, is there a competition deadline, Paul? There is competition deadline is Monday um, at 5 p.m after which I'll work out how many entries we've got and I'll let you know when we're doing a reveal it really depends how many I've got to process um, and just it's not that just for Monday, fun. Monday October 16th 5pm yep that's right UK that's right. time 5pm UK time exactly right so um, we'll close off entries at that point we'll count them all up and I'll process them as quickly as I can hopefully sometime maybe on the Wednesday I'll do a real time um posting the results can't promise it will be Wednesday but I'll do my very best um, and we'll go from there so like I say we're going to give a prize out every month that we do this and we're going to give people a choice between either tickets to a future party or we're going to give them a t-shirt from the Hooked on Wrestling range so what happens uh, if I win if you win you get a really nice firm handshake and an attaboy that's there. Um, that'll be nice to get some and, praise from you once in a great while. <laughs> and a picture with um, Triple H. Oh, that'd be lovely. Um, yeah. He hates he hates you, so there's no way you'll be able to get that done. Because <laughs> um, uh, you keep calling him bitch. Um, but you can. I think we'll do. We could do a rollover, can't we? If I win, it's a rollover. Um. Yes. Yes. We'll <laughs> listen, Paul's voice going. There's no way you're winning, Sunshine. <laughs> Just listen. Listen to some of your answers tonight. You've say, got no chance. On, on, on your previous performance, Rob, I, I will sleep soundly on rollover. Yes, I'm not a big favourite, am I? It's a little <laughs> bit like dis- discussing. But what would happen if Brian Kendrick does win the Royal Rumble? Yeah, it's not not really. A, <laughs> it's not not very likely. Um. Anyway, we'd uh, we'd love you to participate in that. It's um. It's something that we see uh, growing into something a lot of fun uh, on our social media channels. Um, we really want to turn uh, Hooked on Wrestling into something a little bit more than just the parties and the podcast. You know, we want to see uh, a really thriving 
community, particularly on Facebook, but also Twitter, Instagram, and uh, wherever else we may dwell. Um, Facebook is a very good uh, place for this kind of thing. Um, so please do come along, join in. Um, and what we'd love to see is once the answers are given to these, we'd love to see discussion of the answers, wouldn't we, Paul? We don't want to see discussion beforehand. As Paul said, that really does jeopardise. Please don't, because we'll delete comments. But afterwards, we'd love to see a real discussion afterwards. That, that's great. That's rubbish. You know, just have, a, have some fun with it and put your point of view across. Because then we can all learn about one another and see how the people think. And then when we do the next set of sheep quizzes, you'll find out some more things about people. And it really will be um, a very fun uh, little guide to how people are thinking and a little, ex a little thought experiment, I think. I'm really looking forward to how it will play out in the next little while. I'm also looking forward to coming up with some questions. I've come up with some belting questions I'd like you to use in the in future editions, which I will tell you about off-air. Righto. I'll look forward to it, mate. Indeed. Well, I'm, I, am I allowed to speak anymore? You seem to have taken the uh, the show clothes off of me, so I think no, I have to... Uh... No, Rob. I, th I think if I do it anymore, it becomes, it becomes inconsistent. I think, uh, against my better judgment, you should still give it. Okay. See ya. No, more, more than that, more than that. Okay, uh, I'll do it probably. Um, right, so thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you'll be able to join us for uh, Survivor Series, which is creeping ever closer uh, in the uh, the middle of November, uh, and of course also the Sheep Quiz over on our Facebook page. And Paul is going to very quickly tell you how you can join us on social media. I am. You can join us on social media at facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling, or on Twitter at ho underscore wrestling. Excellent stuff. So. Uh, we thank you once again for joining us here on the Hooked On podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing your interaction uh, all over social media and for Survivor Series. But for now, and until next week, this is uh, Paul Benson and myself, Robert Nichols, saying cheerio. And just remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.